He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. It is Monday, September 19th. We are live here at the OG Studios in Jeffersonville, Indiana, a.k.a. the remote UofL College of Business Studios. Um, we're here from 3 to 6 today. It'll be a full show. We could have done the, the you know, we could have done a shortened show back at the, the Taylorsville Road Studios, but we said, hey, people have things to say today. It's another Let's Talk About It Monday. I feel like we've had 55 of these shows since we started doing this a year ago, where it's like, hey, it's a let's talk about it show. Let's get it off our chest. Let's just go ahead and make this happen. And that's where we are today because it's Groundhog Day once again because we played a Groundhog Day game on Friday night. And clearly we're going to get into that. We want to hear from you on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Uh, we love Thornton's, love Kelly Leonardo, love Alex Cupper, love everybody at Thornton's. They're so good at what they do. There are 102,655 area locations because they're fantastic. Download the Refreshing Rewards app today. It's going to save you money outside and inside any area Thornton's location, whether you're at the pump or you're picking up one of their tasty treats inside. That Refreshing Rewards app is going to save you some coin. Again, 502-414-1450. That's where we're going to hear from you. Uh, obviously, today we will focus mostly on Friday night's game against Florida State at Cardinal Stadium. The fallout from that, can this be saved? Where's the fan base now? All that good stuff. Uh, we got some other stuff to get to as well. well. We'll touch on the Imani Bates news of the day that affects Trevor Kelsey's bet with Scooter Dingus. We're going to have to see if that bet is still... Will Scooter try to welch based on some new information that has come to light? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll cover that. We've also got some other Cardinal sports that took place over the weekend that we'll touch on briefly, but uh, obviously today we will mostly be FSU talk. Uh, Trevor Kelsey rocking his Eagles t-shirt today. It's a, it's a huge game for Trevor. I mean, people are we're down in the dumps about UofL football. You're reacting to your team playing yesterday in the NFL if you have one. But TK, I mean, he's focused right now. He's, this is a hyped-up Monday for him. He's got a big-time game tonight with the, uh, the Eagles taking on the Vikes. How are you today, Trevor? Uh, eh, you know, it's so-so. Same as all the rest of us. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'd like to get more into start talking about those other things you were mentioning other than the Friday night game. But I know, Sam. Yeah, I mean, I think we covered three hours in that. It's a big game. Monty Bates though. talk for two hours and 45 minutes today on a Monday. <laughs> well, no, two hours. We can, we can give an hour to the volleyball team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't baseball get a recruit? <laughs> Direct TV and the uh, red zone package. What went wrong yesterday? Well, Let's talk about wrong. it for 25 minutes. Uh, well, nothing's hopefully going wrong tonight. I'm not 100% confident. The Vikings scare me. Uh, very, very good team. But uh, it's been a lot tonight. I mean, the Eagles, 
have to win to keep pace with the Giants for first place in the NFC East, something I don't think I've said since 2011. And to vault the Lions into first place in the and, NFC North. Four-way tie. Yeah, and the Lions go into first place. If we, we need win. you. We need you tonight. So uh, how about them Lions, by the way? It's, you know, one down, 15 to go. That's the way I look at it. 16-1 Lions. <laughs> that's where we're going. Like, and we'll be the one behind the 16-1. You're damn right. That's, that's the way it's going to work. That's, that's, that's good for me. So, yeah, it's a lot to – actually, two really – I mean, both games tonight should be fun, whether you're a fan or not, Bill – Bills Titans. It's the first game. We we asked for a doubleheader in week one. We got it week two. We got it week two. And then uh, the the Eagles and Vikings. Whether you're a fan of either team or not, it should be a fun game. I think it should. Uh, what was not a fun game was what took place Friday night at Cardinal Stadium. Uh, it was uh, fun for parts of it. I, I thought the. I feel bad for setting that segue up. Yeah, it's okay. Is <laughs> there some way I could have reported my own description of tonight's games to avoid this? The the crowd, and I do want to hear from people who were at Cardinal Stadium. Friday night, you know, what worked well, what didn't work well. I've heard mixed reports about the, I think the concessions, a lot of them apparently sold out very early. I think the Wi-Fi was better, it sounded like, for almost everybody at the stadium, which is good. They invested, I think, $5 million in, in improved Wi-Fi, so it should be better. Good for the fans, bad for Satterfield after the game. It was. <laughs> there were a lot of fans who said that. They were like, I love having access, but also I don't, like, I wake up the next morning and I feel bad about what I posted on Twitter the last <laughs> night during the game, the which is, yeah, there's definitely a, a, a bad side to that. I, I heard the only, the only thing, the only overwhelming negative that I heard from the fan experience on Friday night was apparently, like, getting into and out of the formerly known as the green lot, now known as the purple lot, was a disaster. I heard that was very bad. But I've also heard UofL is, they're on top of it. They're trying to figure out what went wrong, and they're going to try to fix it before this weekend's game against South Florida, which, you know, should be a little bit easier to get in and out of uh, this weekend against USF than it was Friday night. Is there a solution, lose the game so less people show up next time? It's one way to solve one problem. Is that what what their philosophy is? It's it's one way to solve a problem. How do we fix having too much traffic at the stadium for a game? But the, the, give them nothing to come see. Yeah, the, the the crowd for the most part I thought looked good on Friday. It was you know the, the red out was strong. It was it was kind of what we expected. It was about a what one and a half stripe game I would yeah, say. I think, I think we got I think someone tweeted at us with a nice good picture. It was a, it was a good one point two five. Yeah, the the one upper deck half. is never going to be totally full. It's just it's the way it is now. I mean games aren't selling out across the country, uh, and Louisville is again not a fan base that unless it's a you know, number five Louisville versus number three. West Virginia or number five Louisville versus number two Florida State type environment is not going to have 60,000 fans in that stadium. And so the upper deck is always kind of going to look like it did on Friday night, even for big time events. But the crowd showed up. I thought the people who were there were very rowdy. It was very loud. It was a good showing. The, the, you know, everything was in place. It was a perfect night. You had a great setup, a cool sequence of big time events in town with Bourbon and Beyond going on, the Gaslight Festival going on, Churchill Downs running. It was just. Everything was there for the taking. And if Mail you win this game, on a great game, Mail and Trinity was a fantastic game. Apparently, Mail wins um, on a like late putt block late and block field goal. Punt, kicked a field goal, which, by the way, I think that was the only game on the pick I got right. I, I did terrible. I think I, I, know, I know I did a lot. I haven't tabulated. I think you and I both did bad again for like, the second week in a row. Every time I saw a game score come up on Saturday, I'm like, hey, I picked that game. Oh, it I was bad. You, you and I both, did, we, we did poor. I think you actually did better than I did, but I haven't looked at the whole results yet. But like, it was it was a weekend that was there for the taking. And if you win that game, I don't think it doesn't suddenly make the entire vibe around the football program all sunshine and roses. I think the, the stain from that Syracuse game is still going to linger a little bit. The stain from the last two seasons was still going to linger a little bit. But you're 2-1 and one going into three winnable games. I think then people can start talking themselves into – we're heading in the right direction. We've got this big recruiting class coming. We'll see how they do against the top 25 teams in the second half. But we took care of business here. Two big close games. This this program is finally finishing games. The offseason mantra is coming to fruition. Instead, you have what we have today. 
which is a lot of people who are going to be, pissed. I think, vocalizing. People are pissed. People are people are more pissed coming out of that game than I thought they could be because I, I knew that apathy had sent in had set in for a certain faction of the fan base after last year and certainly another element of the fan base after the Syracuse game, but I. And I don't know how much of uh, of this you've heard, Trevor. I don't know how much of this people listening on, on their radios or streaming or what have you have heard. I've had more people in the last 72 hours come text me or call me or you know, people who just like running into me yesterday, like when we're, we're out and about for uh, my mother-in-law's birthday, just coming up and being like, I'm done. I'm done. Like this, this was the last straw. This was the tipping point for me. I've tried to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. I've been pissed about things that have happened in the past, but I've kind of held on to some hope. This is this is it. This is the the straw that broke the camel's back. I've, I've had friends who have been like, if I try to talk myself back into this guy a month from now, smack me in the face. Like I'm telling you this right now, smack me in the face. I I, I can't do this anymore. And I think it it clearly wasn't just this game because on the surface, this is a four point loss in a home game that you were a three and a half point underdog in. Right. This was about. I think a kickoff. It ended up going up to three and a half. Okay, well, I got um, Oh, good for you. And you, you who'd you bet? Who'd you end up betting on, by the way? Just say I, I won. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say that. I mean, hey, I told you I was willing to pay the money to you. you a C note for a victory. Yeah. It happened. It was almost two weeks in a row. I mean, we had the torchies vibe going. People, people were so mad at the game they were blaming torchies. They're like, "Take your torchies <laughs> and shove it up your." I was like, "Come on, guys, don't blame torchies for this." It, we, it got us the UCF win, but like we had the whole vibe going, the OG Fridays vibe going. I was feeling good. But I've had more people who are like, this is this is it. And, and again, on the surface, it doesn't seem to make sense because this was not a loss that was totally abnormal. It, it was not anything that I think the rest of the country looked at and was like, ooh, terrible look for Louisville. They lost by about what the point spread was. But this coming on top of what feels like a million other losses that have transpired the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the inner details, the fact that, once again, it's halftime, we're winning, and I think that little voice in the back of all of our minds was saying, yeah, but we should be up by 17 or 21. That's what it felt like. And again, in normal circumstances, you, you kind of push that voice aside and say, yeah, I'm getting nitpicky. We're winning the game. We should feel good about the second half. We've clearly outplayed these guys. It's going to be okay. But because we've done this song and dance a million times over the last three years, everybody was thinking the same thing. We should be up by 21. Oh, bleep. And the only thing that kind of put that thought a little bit in the recesses of my mind to me was they had Jordan Travis, who'd been lighting us up, was out. They brought in their backup quarterback, Gary Rodemeyer, or whatever his name was. <laughs> I think Tate Rodemaker's his name. And he threw the worst I interception. Thought he, I thought he was a brother of the, the kid from Rookie of the Year. Henry, Henry Rowengardner. That was the other joke that I saw. Yeah. He threw the worst interception I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Like that, he looked awful in, in the few plays that he played late in the first half. He threw a terrible pick. He should have thrown a couple of, uh, like another pick on a, a different play. And it was just like, okay, that guy's not beating us. We'll stack the box. We'll shut down the run game. It may be closer than it should be, but we're going to run away from these guys. This is going to be last Friday all over again. Ex- we can, we, exactly. We can this guy can't throw. Than the throw. We're going to leave receivers open. We'll miss them. That's what uh, you know. The, the the third Plumley brother did. 
You know, that's, we've got this. And I, I had a friend who's a Florida State fan who texted me at halftime and was like, congrats on the win. Like, this guy sucks. Nothing to be worried about. And I don't know anything about Florida State's backup quarterback. Um, I did a couple years ago because Chubba Purdy was there last year. Oh, yeah. But I, I don't know Tate Rotomaker, what he does well, what he doesn't well, what his tendencies are. So when a buddy of mine, when, the, when the, the timeline on Twitter is all saying this guy sucks, I'm like, yeah, he looks like he sucks. Everybody's saying he sucks. I feel pretty good about this. And then he comes out and does what backup quarterbacks tend to do to Louisville, even when we're actually good, which is turn into you know the, the second coming of Randall Cunningham and Joe Montana combined. Like, like all of a sudden they can run, all of a sudden they can throw. I mean, he throws a, and this is where the, the game changed on a dime, was that first series when he comes out, and we clearly are like, okay, we're stacking the box. You're not going to beat us with a run game. We're going to play single coverage. If you like, if this guy can beat us with his arm, so be it. We're not going to let him do it. And he throws that, you know, all out blitz, pressure in his face. He throws that dime down the middle of the field, hits um, J- Johnny Wilson, whose name I can remember, Scott Satterfield apparently can't remember, hits him in stride for that huge gain down inside our 20. And that was the first time where I was like, okay, well, this, this is not great. This, this could wind up being a big thing. And sure enough, this dude goes on to just pick us apart. The run game, even when we are stacking the box, lights us up. Malik Cunningham. Let's just say it once again. Cannot lead this team on a a, a late game scoring drive to he's, win the game. He can't handle the moment. He's, can, you, can you name one time in his career he's been clutched in the fourth quarter? That's the the only time that I because this has been a common thing today that I've heard a common thing for the last three days that I've heard. The only time that you I think you would have given him credit for was when he got us back into position for to kick the game winning field goal against Virginia last year and we just missed it. But besides that, no. Like like it, it just he does not have that moment. He doesn't have that Teddy Bridgewater against Cincinnati where he and helped both years against Cincinnati his last two years, where he single handedly almost wills us to victory and the big play happens and we win late. He doesn't have that moment. No. And he doesn't have he still doesn't have that like win in a big game. He just he just doesn't. Look at last year alone at Clemson he falls down. Uh, Central Florida, the game we won, he threw the interception right before the play. He did, yeah. I mean, uh, and that's just, just fresh off my memory. I mean, it was a Friday night. I mean, it's just – listen, I, it's, so I, don't, don't, ball don't, don't get personal, Malik. You just – some people can't handle pressure when it comes to the big moment in, in fourth quarter comebacks, and you clearly are one of them. And at the end of the day, I mean, you say – because the flip side of that obviously is – the dude had 300 yards of total offense. He, he was great before the fourth quarter. We're not in that game if he doesn't play well, which I think everybody That's understands. Awesome. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you have to get the job done and win games. And yeah. I mean, he has said the same thing himself going into the season. He's like, the stats are, are nice. I've never been more committed to winning games. And through three games, he's one and two in his last season of college football. And, at the end of the day, that's all anybody cares about, is this team has not gotten it done when it comes to win-losses. And we're now... We've mentioned, I mean, I, I did the, it was a running joke on the show. It was a running joke on the website. I'd made a running joke on the podcast. I did the thing the entire off season where it was like, don't make it weird. Don't make it awkward. Don't, we are trending and we knew this was going to happen. You had to have known this was going to happen. We are trending towards the perfectly awkward season, right? Where it gets to the, we end up in a position where in November, we're just good enough that it's not a clear cut and dry decision to fire this guy. But we're not good enough that anybody's happy with the on-field product. And we've got that recruiting class waiting in the wings where everybody's like, are they going to stay if we get somebody else? Are they going to go? Is like, What's going to happen? How much is it worth sacrificing presumably bad coaching to keep the best recruiting class in the history of the program? We are headed in that direction right now. Because if we're 2-1 and one after three games, I don't think it even matters what combination of two victories and one loss you have. I think people are more or less good. People would have been okay. People would have been like, okay, we're satisfying 
the preliminary outlook for the season, we feel like we can get to seven or eight. If they were three and zero, unbridled enthusiasm. Everybody is is jacked up. We're we're staring down a potential six and zero start. We're thinking top twenty five ranking. Like everybody is Scott Satterfield is talking contract extension. If we're zero and three, there's no confusion, right? This guy's got to go. We're done. We're going to lose at least nine games this season. Time is the time has come. We we gave this a shot. It's just not working. We're one and two. And the one win was over the road against the UCF team that has historically been pretty good in recent history. We were close enough against Florida State. The Syracuse game still seems to make so little sense. And there's nobody who's saying, like, I'm okay with this right now. But there is a smaller contingent of fans who's saying, we got to give them the whole season, right? Like, like we, we got to at least see how this plays out. This team should be better than it is for the third straight year. They should be doing more. When you watch games, it feels like they're better than they actually are. Like, how do we lose that game? Maybe we'll start making the plays. Like, all that still is kind of out there. And it's just, tre- like, going into this UCF game this weekend, or USF game this weekend, I'm going to do that a million times, I feel like, this week. But going into the South Florida game this weekend, it is a it is the ultimate very little to gain, everything to lose type situation. Because if you win... Like, if we win by 50, we're going to come in here and do the show next Monday, and nobody's going to have changed their tone dramatically. People might say, well, I think maybe now they have a shot to to win six or seven games more than I did beforehand, but nobody's going to be saying all the problems are fixed. You, you cannot win the fan base back this weekend. No, you can I'm, lose them entirely. I'm going to come in here and be like, oh, thank you for actually doing something you're supposed to do for a week. Exactly, which is why this week I think people are going to be fired up today, and then the rest of the week it's going to go on. People are going to be like, eh, you know, my mind's not going to be changed by this week. If we had been 0-3, I think that you, you know, like, like, nobody would be changing their mind regardless of what you have. If you lose, it doesn't even matter. If we lose this week, it, it changes a lot of people's minds. But we are on that perfect, just awkward trajectory where I feel like we're going to win this weekend. We should. We're 13-point favorites. I know USF damn near beat Florida last week, which made me a lot more nervous about this game yeah. than I was beforehand. Uh, it's certainly, hey, I'm not putting it past us that we this is just a, a sure thing, but they should win this game this weekend. Wow, you know that's sure. I mean, we, I see what you, I know. You're, I know. I know. We should have beaten Syracuse probably going into. It. We should have held on against Florida State. And then I can we see them. We should have fired Satterfield after last year. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. We're, we're, things we should do. We're gonna get there. I can see this team after they take care of business. Hopefully this weekend against USF. I can see them beating either or both of Virginia and Boston College on the road. And I still don't think that wins people back. But it gets people kind of like, eh, you know. Let's give this guy a chance in the second half of the season. If we're 4-2 and two going into that second half, which right now features five out of six games against ranked opponents, all of a sudden you just have to beat one ranked team to have a quote-unquote signature victory this season, and then you beat James Madison, and the team is 6-6. Six and six. And guess what? Nobody's thrilled about it. No, nobody's happy about it. No, nobody's content. But also nobody's, like, furious. People are going to start – there will be people who will start saying, look at the strength of schedule compared to historic values and look at all this stuff and look at – and it's just go, it's going to lead to the exact discussion that you and I have feared for the last eight months, which is debating the merits of an average season and keeping a guy who after four years will have had a losing or right at 500 record just for the sake of getting a recruiting class. Because historically, there is nothing that says we keep a guy after four years with this type of record. He's not winning enough. That's what it comes down to. He's not winning enough. And if you think it's going to be different with this recruiting class, you're welcome to your opinion. But is it going to be so different that it results in special seasons? Which to me is the 
that's still the goal here. Yeah. And I know I sound like a broken record, but I don't want to just be seven and five and eight and four in our best years. I want to get back to being ten and two, potentially eleven and one, being top fifteen good. If the playoff expands to twelve teams, flirting with the playoff, kind of like Kentucky is right now, on a semi-regular basis, maybe once every five years, six years. I don't think that's asking too much because we've seen it happen multiple times over the last twenty years. And if this guy and this staff can't get us to six or seven or eight wins with Malik Cunningham and the players we have at specialty positions with a one of the most experienced offensive lines in the country with a what should have been bolstered defense, if we can't get to at least six or seven wins with this team, why does anybody think that the best recruiting class in the history of the program is going to magically be turned into a product that can get us to a 10 or 11 wins in a regular season? And that's where I am. It's where I'm going to stand. I'm willing to give the guy a chance for the rest of the year. I don't think you fire him after three games or anything, but I will say what I've been saying for the last year and a half. It feels, it feels like this is not a good fit. It just feels like this is not going to work. It just feels like this is not the guy. And here's the first time for this week. I would love nothing more than be proven wrong. It's better for everybody involved if Satterfield is the guy, if we don't have to start from from ground zero. I would love to be proven wrong about that. But it continues to feel like this is just headed in the direction that everybody thinks it is, which is a divorce at some point in the relatively near future. It's the one time in my life I hate having to be able to sit back and go, I told you so. We all wanted to be wrong. Like, like I didn't. I, normally, I relish in it because I'm kind of a tool and a douche. No, and I like I like rubbing in face when I'm right because it doesn't happen very often. I, I didn't. I don't want to. I mean, like, like but what? Uh, to piggyback on what you just said a second ago, we're like, well, you get this great recruiting class. If that's your like defensive one to keep him, that's fine. But then don't get mad at me when he takes our great recruiting class and goes eight and four. Exactly. And three. Yeah, three years from now, we're eight and four. Because that's, I mean, in a class and a team that could possibly with a good coach win 10 or 11 games. But he's probably not going to do that because Sapphire Pettis I mean, he's not a horrible coach, but he's not a great coach. It'd be so I much mean, easier if he was a horrible coach, right? It would be. And it's the fact is that we're sitting here just, even though, you know, I was, I was going to say three straight years now having the same conversation, but we were, we were only on year two. But if we'd been here... You know, knowing you 2020, we've been sitting around in the basement having the same freaking conversation. It only feels like five years, right? And I, and I love the way, like you said, well, we let's see, play, see how the season plays out. You know, why? What, what do you need to see? I can tell you, that you're like the guy who went to Hangover 3 and go, let's see if they find their friend into the movie. No. <laughs> I know what's going to happen at the end of this movie. And unfortunately, like Hangover, like Hangover 3, it's stopped being funny. It's now it's just sad. Like, can't they get some GPSs on these kids? I mean, th- th- no. I know what's going to happen. And I and, and to use another analogy to a movie, I don't even feel like we're even like hanging. We're, we're like the police academy now. And like this is like like, like the, we're, I just finished watching Police Academy six on Friday night, where it's like it's the same thing. And now it's stopped from being humorous to being sad. I'm like, just somebody, can we take away their badges? I mean, I knew what was going to happen in the fourth quarter. I had I had I had small hope when I texted you going in the fourth quarter that we weren't losing. Because I, I, I've come to realize that we, it, we weren't we weren't trailing in the we game. Is what trailing, you're saying? Yeah, yes, yeah, we were tied. Clearly, we had to be up by like double digits to have any more confidence in the fourth quarter. I wonder if that stat just extends to like because Kelly Dickey put it out. In five of our last eight losses, we've either been tied or been leading in in the fourth quarter, which is insane. Sorry. We cannot. This team and Satterfield like so, all offseason so, finish, finish, finish. It's all we talked about all offseason. They're not finishing. Oh, he's finishing. He's just not well. 
I mean, the game's coming to a conclusion. That's technically finishing. Yeah. It's, it's, like, finishing. it's like saying I'm a, sh- I'm a shooter, I'm a, not a maker. I, I didn't hit it. I can shoot it. I took the shot. I'm a painter. It sucks. It looks like crap, but it's I painted it right. It's finger sticks. <laughs> but I, mean, <sighs> I just, yeah, I, it's just, I've, we've seen it again. And we're going to see it in You need to turn your mic up again, by the way. Okay, I'll turn Same it thing up. as last week. Yeah. I'm yelling too much. Yeah, you're, you're good. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, w- I was worried I was going to blow your ear out because last time you told me I was like, oh, you're too loud. It was so loud at the beginning. Well, everything was so loud at the beginning, but okay. now I think you're just, yeah. There you go. We're good. I, d- I mean, I'm going to watch Saturday, and I'll watch the Saturday after that. I think th- they announced the Boston College is a new game. Another nooner. Yeah, it was, which means when I say I'll watch, it means I'll hit, I'll DVR it and wake up at halftime and start it from the beginning. Trevor Kelsey's not getting up at, at 11 a.m. for a 500 product. I'm sorry, yeah, would you? <laughs> yes. You had the Because option? I don't sleep until 3 p.m. Yeah, you might want to. I wish I could sleep farther. I wish I could sleep until the end of the season if I had the choice. Wake up, we have another coach, Brom or otherwise. <laughs> I, I know what's going to happen Saturday. We're, they're going to they're gonna play up and down. In the end, they should and hopefully will win. And some people will be excited. We're four and four or two and two, yada, yada, yada. Then we'll go into Boston College. And Boston College, unless they distract us with a mid-quarter light show, we should be okay. We get a win. We'll be three and two. We, we leave Virginia three and three. And everybody's like, well, you know, we, we've been competitive. We've been this. We've been that. We've been repeat everything we've been saying for three years. My ears are now bleeding. Someone gave me a crack pipe because I can't take this anymore. Th- that's what we're going to be. Do I really need? I'm not Nostradamus. If I was, I could give winning lottery tickets to the club. I don't have to be to tell you what's going to happen with this team over the next three weeks. You know what I can see happening? This is it's going to happen. This is the scenario because what you said is 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 certainly plausible. And maybe they are four and two. Maybe they win all three of those games, and they go into you know they they lose to Pitt. Yeah, maybe. I, maybe I can see us being I, I can see us being off. close in all of those games. I can see us being competitive in all those games. I can see us like doing the thing where we almost beat Clemson because it feels like we do that every year as well. And then we get to six and five. By beating a top fifteen, top twenty NC State team, right, yeah. and everybody starts doing the thing for the the third straight year, where it's like the spread against Kentucky is way closer than it should be because the analytics like Louisville, and we're all like, you know, we might be able to keep it close this year. We're gonna we're gonna be right there. UK maybe plays a little bit of a stinker in November before they play us, and we're all gonna talk ourselves into this game at least being closer. We're gonna lose by a lot. We're gonna be six and six. Everybody's going to be out on Satterfield. And we're going to be right back where we've been every offseason for the past couple of years, which is just mediocrity, not being competitive with your rival, him doing just enough to keep part of the fan base hanging on and make things as difficult as possible. Again, on poor Josh Hurd, he just cannot, like, Josh just can't deal with the clear situation right now. It'd be so much easier. It almost it would be easier for everybody involved if he just, if this team just sucked out loud. If every week was like the Syracuse game. Well, you don't want to fire midseason. You don't, you don't want but to. But I'm just saying for long term, it'd still be yeah, easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking six and six here where they win a couple of like nice games and are always competitive. And like that's what we've been doing. It's just, it's, it would be so much easier if it was just a cut and dry. This guy, like kind of like Cragthorpe, where he's getting blown out in year three. We've gotten worse every single season. And it's just like this guy, I don't think, knows how many uh, yards a holding penalty is. I mean, it would be easier for her, but going six and six should make it an easy decision for him as well, I think. But it's at not this, going to. At this point, the way the season especially gone, and we have an exact repeat of what we did last year, where we just we, we, we win a couple close. We win a, we win a game or two against teams that just aren't, very, aren't that good, and we lose close games against teams that are average to below average at our level. You just you, you got it. I mean, but I'm talking about the hypothetical I just threw out there, which is we beat like a top 15 NC State team, we have a good win, and people are like, huh, oh, you know, maybe, and then we get blown up by Kentucky again. 
Like everybody's going to be pissed. No, we'll be Wake Forest, and they'll be twenty first, and that's that'll be our big win. We're probably going to be Wake Forest. That's that's who we do every year, and that's what he hangs his hat on. I mean, I swear, I think they send him like a fruit basket every day, every every week to, to congratulate him on helping him Satterfield keep his job out there. In, in well, they beat course. us last year, and you know, we should have won. They screwed us, but you know, it's. I, I can see it. You know, they barely beat Liberty this past weekend. I can see them holding on to like one of those just token bottom top twenty five ACC rankings because they have a good record, and then. You know, us us winning that game and people being like, see, see, maybe but, Liberty's Liberty went for two. Yeah, I saw it was. And they ran the stupidest play of all. They tried to do like the little the pass back to the quarterback. Thing. I mean, come on, people people are aware that that play exists now. It's not 2016 anymore. No, no, no. Let's give credit where credit's due. It's not February 3rd, 2018 anymore. Well, people had run that play before the uh, Philadelphia we all know ran it's it. The Philly special. Come, I mean, come on. on. You know it's the Philly special. People had run that play before the, the Super Bowl. Uh, yes, it is known that Philadelphia took it from a Week 17 win, game, game with, the, uh, with the Bears and, and Vikings, but it's the Philly special. Well, whatever. February 3rd, 2018. The Flame special wasn't exactly <laughs> on fire. It was wow. pretty bad. If, if, that, if that's new slang, you don't want to know what I think it means. <laughs> Especially not at Liberty. <laughs> They're going to put you in jail They'll for that. <laughs> jail, you're lucky. Yeah. Um. Anyways... Uh, Th- those are opening thoughts there. Obviously, we can talk about the ins and the outs of the game coming up here in a little bit. We want to hear from you as well. 502-414-1450. We'll take our first break here with the OG Studios in Jeffersonville, the remote UofL College of Business Studios. If you're interested in uh, getting your MBA from UofL and you want more information, if you're interested in one of their overseas programs, they got all that info for you over at business.louisville.edu. Check it out today. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll take some text, and we'll talk about the ins and the outs of Friday night's game. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. It continues next here on a Monday on 1450 The Big X. Spot on so far today. <laughs> two for two. That have been very good. This is what we did. We came back to life. Back to reality. We suck it here. Scott, however do you want me? I don't even know. However do you need Scott? I just love the beginning. Back to life. Back to reality. Why do we always lose it in the fourth quarter? I mean, Can't seem to vanish. Maybe we should. I mean, keep Malik in and in the fourth quarter. We were down. We need one last drive. We put Brock in. I don't know if that's the answer. Yeah, I mean, can it be any worse? <laughs> Probably. The last play, Who it was – everybody was screaming, like, the same thing. The last play, it was like, just – just we, we have plenty of time. Throw the ball away. Throw yeah. the ball away. The thing about that play, too, is even if he completes it, Braden Smith had been out of bounds, so it would have been a penalty. <laughs> you saw the flat – you saw the uh, – the, Throw the, the hat, ball away. The and on the, on, the, on the field, yeah. I just I, – I, yeah, that was – I mean, he overthrew Johnny – Johnny – was it Will, – yeah, Johnny Wilson in that play. What do you think of? I mentioned the the, the common in passing, but after the game when Satterfield got asked directly about Johnny Wilson, you know he had however like eight catches, one hundred and eighty five yards. He, he, had, he, like, had, he had what, almost as many catches as he had his entire career at Arizona State. Right. Somebody asked him, you know, he had this many catches, this many yards. Like, what what about him made it so tough? And Satterfield's response to his beginning was, "Is that the tall guy?" No. And I was like, dude. <laughs> 
They were saying his name over the PA system all damn night. You probably should have figured out his name by that point in time. But he was like, that, that was the problem. He's tall. I'm like, well, thank you for that. Then he went on, uh, he had to describe how, we, you know, we hit the penalties in this area of the game. In this area of the game. We had multiple penalties in every aspect of the game, offense, defense, special teams. It really wasn't that different from the UCF game. Which is not a good thing to say. That's what I'm saying. It, it was like the UCF game, I think, is, the, is an outlier in terms of, like, we've done the same stupid crap all three weeks. Yeah, all the three the only issue is UCF is the only team that had a quarterback that could not beat us through the air, could not hit open guys. They, they didn't have the game plan devised. Like, John Rice Plumlee is the difference maker. And, and I don't mean to take anything away from the defense because the defense did play very well, but the defense was playing the same with the same mentality in the second half against FSU that they did against UCF. The only difference was the, you know, Tate Rotomaker was able to hit open guys, was able to throw it up to a six foot seven dude who we had nobody who could guard. And I did feel like Jarvis Brownlee deserves to, you know, the, the criticism that he's been getting. But there were a couple of times where both he and Keytrell Clark were in good positions on Johnny Wilson. And the issue was they're in single coverage against a dude who's got six inches on him. Uh, wow. What are you going to do? Apparently, Satterfield <clears throat> didn't know he was that tall. What are we doing? Uh, I can only assume that Satterfield does all his scouting off, and you'll love this because you know, I know how much you hate this site. The sports reference site, for some reason, is Johnny David Johnny Wilson listed at 6'2", 260. Yeah, that's wrong. Which, by the way, you're 6'2", 260. You're me in high school. Okay? <laughs> very, very wrong. And I'm, I, I can only assume he, 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 he just scouted off that, so he had no idea he was 6'7". He thought he was only 6'2", 260. He probably thought he was a slow... Slow uh, offensive lineman turned wide receivers. Well, he's not. And he's not. He's, he's six he's, seven. He's very good. He's very good. Apparently, you know, putting more than one person on him that's over five ten. I mean, is 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 out of the question. Putting anybody more than two people on him in general, no matter their height, apparently is out of the question. And our safeties, it's not like they were tackling anybody, so you may as well have just and like I, put them in coverage I, because Pork. Let's say his name. Like Kendrick Duncan was played one of the. I mean, he. I'm sure he would admit it. He was not good. On Friday night, Monty Montgomery, who I pointed out on Friday, and I said he needs to be he needs to be much better than he's been the first two weeks, because he's an athletic linebacker. We're probably going to need him to spy Jordan Travis a little bit. He needs to be flying around, making plays behind the line of scrimmage like he was before he got hurt, and he was not good either. Yusir Abdullah was fantastic. Yusir Abdullah stepped up on the other side and played one of the best games that I think he's played as a Cardinal, which is saying something because he's been very good. But Montgomery. And Kendrick Duncan, it just seemed like every time they had a chance to make a play, they could not get the guy down to the ground. And then, of course, Duncan, I think, followed that up with a play that's been all over Twitter since then where he just kind of is jogging after he misses the tackle. And like, former players are, are tweeting out, like, what, what's 27 doing? Like, what, what's going on with 27? It was just a – there were several plays like that too where it wasn't just about mistackling. It wasn't just about being in the wrong position. It was guys who just weren't playing hard enough. Well, what do you – I mean – it just—it's it, a reflection of your coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that, that's is. the coaching staff at the end of the game. If you just lost another close game, you let it slip between your fingers. And I'm not saying just this season, but over the last three years combined, and, and you're just like, well, oh well, oh um, you know, we should have guarded that. Didn't disappointing. That big kid. Oh yeah, we could, we should have guarded him better. You know, we played great defense. He's just six seven. You know, we had no idea he was going to be there. Uh, they must have snuck him in on a baggage claim or something. I don't know. You know, we thought he was part of, you know, the, the cheerleading group. And then the next thing we know, he puts on a helmet. We're like, wow, he's this kid. I just, it is. And, and you know, I know I, I don't think you as much, but I know I've got, probably got some some flack for last week with just not giving enough credit maybe to the defense with the 10 stops because what did, I think what did I, I described it as a bold decision to leave guys wide open and dare the quarterback to hit him, and he didn't. They did that again in the first half against Sports State, and George Travis went 11-11. Yeah. Start the game. I mean, they're like, wait a second. Oh, quarterback can actually hit an open receiver? 
you know, and even when even when the backup comes in and you still kind of go with the same philosophy, you know, and you're going one on one because you, I mean, you know, in the defense, I guess to the Brian Brown a little bit, you have to go one on one because you have to send blitzes to stop the run. Problem is, is though you weren't stopping the run either. So I said, like so, the safeties I mean, aren't tackling anybody. You might as well put them in coverage. I mean, exactly. I mean, if you're if you're gonna do that, then just I mean, instead of just getting killed twice, just at least let's only die one way. But nonetheless, we we just got slaughtered from all different directions, and I, I didn't watch any of the South Florida Florida game. I saw the score on you know followed it you know as casually as as one can, and I'd like to maybe go back and look at that game a little bit to see because. I mean, I have confidence we should win. I have less confidence in that we might win. I mean, we could. I, I have less confidence that we're going to win now. Yeah, we we have plenty of time to talk about USF, but th- I think that scores out there, and it's it certainly made that game look a little bit more difficult than it would. Let me ask you this: so we didn't know until game time. I think a lot of people thought Jalen Mitchell was probably going to be out based on him missing practice last week or considerable amount of practice last week with that leg injury that he suffered in the UCF win. We had no idea that Tyon Evans was was not going to play. I in hope fact, not. he. I picked him in my breakout. Yeah, he he went through warmups actually, and was apparently a a fifty-fifty decision. They decided right before the game that he wasn't going to be able to go. Is this game at all different if we have Evans and or Mitchell available? Because Jawar Jordan was was good. He had the bad fumble where I I I thought his forward progress was stopped. They didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. He lost the ball. Trevion Cooley had his moments as well, uh, where he seemed to play well. Do you think this game is any different if we have Evans and or Mitchell? No, I don't really. I mean, I think I think Jordan did a fine job. Now maybe. Does does Evans break a couple more long ones here and there, possibly? But it, it, when it's all said and done, I don't think you mean unless unless Evans is playing both ways and can actually tackle as well. I, I don't think it makes a difference. It felt the same. Uh, I think. I mean, I mean Jawar Jordan ran really hard. He, he did have the bad fumble, but he still had 17 carries for 91 yards. Someone, Cooley made some big plays out of the backfield. Um, I think the running game would have been more or less the same. We, we and we did what we knew we were going to do, which is a lot of more designed resu- runs from Malik for the second week in a row. And he ran the ball very effectively, 127 yards and a pair of touchdowns. So I don't think having Ty and Evans back there uh, or Jalen Mitchell would have dramatically altered anything. I mean, the only thing worse than our picks for actual game results was maybe our picks of who was going to be like the surprise people. To, like I went yeah. Evans and Marshawn Ford. I mean, that's. <laughs> that's Woo. I had Huggins Bruce, I mean, who did lead us in receiving, but also one, was not great. He, he had the one big play that he unfortunately got hurt in. I think he, I think he's okay, but everybody got hurt. Yeah, but he got the one big play. I think it was like a little swing pass, not swing pass, but a wheel route. And I almost texted like, "Hey, finally one of our guys did something." Yeah, and he fell on the ball. <laughs> I think is what happened. And then, yeah, and then he left the game. So I mean, it was like, well, I mean, at least your guy played. Yeah, I mean, I, my, my didn't even <laughs> suit up, which I didn't even. It took me forever to realize it because I had to. I was doing the same next game here. Which got delayed, by the way, because Sanex was late getting to the Cincinnati on the bus. And uh, so I had the game on here, but I had it on mute. So I'm like sitting there going, okay, there's Jordan. Okay, where's Evan? Like, it's, I'm keep watching. I'm like, what? I don't have I had it on mute, yeah. so I didn't know. And for some reason, like, I felt like no one on Twitter was talking about it. Well, I think you missed it because it was big talk before the game when they announced okay, they were I even, like, I even searched his name on Twitter. And it was stuff from like last week coming up. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, I mean, they both were. They announced before the game, both were, were not going to play. But yeah, uh, yeah. X, by the way, losing. I saw that stat was crazy. It's the first time ever that Trinity and Senex will play each other with neither having a perfect record. Huh. Nuts. Very, very, very strange. But yeah, I've also, you mentioned Amari Huggins, Bruce getting hurt. I've never watched a sporting contest with that many injuries. Like every play, somebody was going down. It was especially like this. Usually that's a something that happens like later in the season when it gets colder and guys get a little bit more worn down already. But for perfect weather, 
mid-September, like every play somebody was getting hurt. It was just a, a wild thing. All right, uh, do you want to go to the text line now? I think I don't really have anything more we can throw out there. I mean, I have more I can complain, I guess, a little bit. But we, I, we can keep, we can play for three hours if we want I to. I mean, yeah, I, I can whine and moan. I mean, I can play just Satterfield's post-game press conference and for every two seconds of everything he says, complain about with that. But let, let's let the text line take us in that, in that route. All right, 502-414-1450. Thornton's text line will share some, th- share, of your, su- share some of your thoughts now. Texas says, I understand why some fans want to get rid of Satterfield, and I also understand the allure of bringing Brom home. In my opinion, I feel like things are more likely to improve if we keep Satterfield instead of going to Brom, though. The biggest issue with this team in the fourth quarter seems to be a lack of playmakers. We're bringing those playmakers in with this recruiting class, so there's more reason to believe things will be fixed that way instead of having to completely start over. Thoughts there? Um, I think at this point, whether you are a fan of Brom or not, being the one brought in to replace Satterfield, you should be on the bandwagon of replacing Satterfield. He's saying, though, like the system is putting our guys in position to win, and we don't have the playmakers well, to get the job done. And I, I these think, guys coming in, these kids coming in, will be those playmakers. I think it's a mix of the I think it's a mix of the offense putting this position and the fact that our opponents suck. The ACC is not very good, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like we're like in we're like the middle pack of a big floating turd in the toilet. We have played according to the ESPN what FPI we played the eighth toughest schedule through three games of anybody in the country. That's great. Let's tell Skynet to turn take it and shove it. Okay, I don't care what the EPI or OPA or APP or ARP says. We're not good, and their schedule's not that good. Florida State is an average team at best. Central Florida is is striving to be average, and Syracuse is average. Maybe and Purdue. You know, we're, we, we're, should we talk about the Purdue game now? I mean, well, Purdue won. would have won the game if the, the back judge didn't have more money on him than I did, apparently. <laughs> I love the Syracuse guy just bear-hugging the, the defense, defender, carrying him out of bounds, and the defender got called for passing I thought it was a bad call. It was a horrible call. They did three straight bad calls, and everybody, all the highlights keep showing is the guy being open on the corner. How can it be that open? Because you got within five yards of him, they were calling you for a P.I., so you might as well have left him open. Otherwise, you're just giving it to him with the one anyway. And, and 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 for that texture, just and I'm not mad at this texture, but I'm just saying, point out you want to bring up that Syracuse game in Brom. Guess what? They made clutch moments and in, in, especially on offense in that game and went down the field and unfortunately missed a field goal first, but then got a touchdown second. They made they took advantage of the moments, but they lost, which is what we keep saying about our teams. Unfortunately, they we lost because we didn't make the plays. They lost because the referee was a moron. I think they also. I mean, this is the second time though. Like, they don't win, Syracuse doesn't win that game if they don't get the help. This is the second time in three games though where Purdue has had some late game stuff that like if if this were our team, we'd be going. We'd be furious. We'd, we'd spend three hours on this. I mean, you can't. I know. I, I thought the call was bad too. You still can't give up that touchdown, and then you can't get the what four unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Get a dude ejected. Like all that stuff. Like we'd be going nuts over it, and same with the Penn State, the the late game play calling, the not running clock, the clock mismanagement to allow Penn State to have a chance to win. Like let's call a spade a spade. Like they sh- they could eat, they sh- probably should be three and zero, and they're not. This Penn State team, by the way, they did also dominate. God, they the destroyed Auburn. Auburn. We were yeah. that was another one you and I, I mean, were both wrong about. I know. No, we weren't. We weren't wrong. We left wrong at halftime. Yeah, that was bad. We were at I was like SEC wrong. team at home. I don't think that Penn State team is that good. Like, oh my god. Did you take Oregon or BYU? By the way, I took BYU. You did too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was like, I watched Oregon Georgia. I think that was more about Oregon than it was Georgia. I'm no, seen, it wasn't. I'm just a Mormon embarrassed that bit much since Trey Parker that wrote a play. I mean, uh, I mean <laughs> Georgia may be the best team in America by like 60 points apparently. That, that was that, that was quite the show. Yeah. So, uh, but but Purdue, I mean. 
Yeah, you you can call the clock judgment. I I don't blame the Syracuse loss on him because that was out of his hands. I mean, they, Syracuse does, Syracuse loses the ball on fourth down twice a drive if they're not helped by bad officiating. What was the um, oh man the the announced attendance for Saturday for Friday? I just saw forty six thousand four hundred fifty nine, which is I, I thought they would at least get to what fifty. Was it? 46,459. Well, Friday's game was so it was closer to what, like closer to 38, 39, probably. Yeah, they always, it's well, of course everywhere it's exaggerated. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably weird. closer to uh, around 40. Um, and that surprised me. I thought it was going to be more. I, I really did. I, if you had, I think the, the record home attendance was the first game under Satterfield 2019 against Notre Dame, which I believe was like 58 something. Um, was not a sellout because sellout is 60K now. But I thought it would be, I didn't think it would break that, but I thought it would be around 50, maybe a little bit above 50. Man, it just it just Why? goes to show, just because people were excited Friday night home game, like big time events, people are desperate no, I mean, for this had, football team had, to be you good. Had and beyond, you had you had good games like Saint X on the road and Mail versus Trinity and Louisville. I mean, there was competition for it. There was, but still, look at our Friday night attendances historically. Those have been some of the big, biggest attended games of, of all time. Like that hasn't really had much of an impact. You give your tickets away, and people have been more times than not willing to gobble those things up. But wasn't that Halloween game against Arkansas State on a Friday night? I think that was a Saturday. Was it a Saturday? But that was, yeah, but we had like 22,000 people there, <laughs> and it was that. more like five. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. It looked like a USFL game. That was the low point of the Craig era. I think I had to, oh, bu- yeah. I had to buy like a Apple TV or something just to watch the game. That's, I was like, that's how committed I am to this I, team. I, I remember seeing people wearing masks. They were like, it's Halloween. I'm like, they don't know that. Yeah. They just don't want to be seen right now. Texas said, we're lucky it was a red out because it made it look very packed, but it wasn't. And that's, I mean, I didn't even notice how much red was dominating. I mean, because, you know, since, you know, Florida State were burgundy and they, they're similar red too. I just didn't even pay attention. I mean, you, if you didn't notice the difference in shades, that, like, I don't know what to tell you. I know the difference between shades. That was the one thing that I saw right in the game. I was like, that does not look red at all. No, I'll, it's not. It's burgundy. It's garnet. Whatever. Texas had a few points. One, people complaining about the offensive play calling just don't know what to complain about. The play calling was fine. Two, the defense is what we thought they were. Three, I love Malik, but the dude's not clutch. No. Four, if you were going to throw the ball away, throw the ball away. Five, the offense shouldn't have to be perfect to win. The offense was fine. I, I agree I, more. I, le- I mean, the offense was good enough to win. I mean, it's the Satterfield's not a horrible play caller. I mean, his offense is what, is it, what it is. I mean, it's not going to spread it out. I mean, it's not going to be unpredictable. You, you know what you're getting. And, and for the most part, if it's executed properly, it does move the ball well. And we have shown that we can put up points, but... I mean, the problem is, is that, A, it is semi-one-dimensional, and you when you have a quarterback who is not as is, is as good as Malik is, it does hurt this offense because there's no room to make mistakes when it comes to the passing side of things because you run the ball so much. And defensively, again, yeah, this defense Well, now, now, hold on. We, we threw the ball 34 times for 250 yards, so it's not like it was totally – it's not like we had, like, 12 passing attempts and didn't, run, didn't do it effectively. I'm more advantage of the big plays when they come available. And that's something Malik has struggled with since being here. Well, again, he hasn't. Like he has recently, but like we've been number, we've been top ten in big explosive plays since Satterfield arrived. Like we've hit more big plays. I think Malik's thrown more touchdowns of fifty yards or more than any quarterback in, in college football. So good. The big play has been there. I mean, percent on him too. But well, I mean, that, I don't think that that's true either. But like we haven't this year. Like it, that that has been a thing that has been varied this season specifically. The explosive play has been missing. We've got to find a way to get that back and. Somebody's got to step up as – I mean, Malik's got to be better. There's no question. He was throwing the ball really well in the first half. That was easily the best he's thrown it so far this season, um, but didn't make the plays when we needed him to make. The defense – the defense is what it is. Like, I think we all wanted to think that a 
corner had been turned against UCF or hope that a corner had been turned. I think most of us probably knew that this was something that was not going to change. And they looked okay early on. I mean, for, for, I mean against the running game. And then Jordan the Travis – I mean, against the running game is what I'm saying. And then Jordan Travis lit us up. They had to change a little bit. They had to at least focus some more on the passing game. And then, then Treshawn Ward got loose. And then we let Gary Rodemeyer come in and start looking like Joe Montana against us as well. It was just – it's more of the same. Missed tackles, guys in the wrong position, guys who aren't good enough. It's It's been this way for – I mean, I was going to say not – 2019, but 2019 the defense was was bad. That team could have won, could have gone nine and three with the offense we had if we just had a little bit better of a defense. And that in the end is going to, if this season continues to go the way a lot of people think it is, I think myself included, probably Trevor included, the story of the Craig Thorpe era is going to be if we had just had an average defense, we probably have a couple of eight and four, nine and three seasons. And there's no thought of, about firing him. I mean, certainly last year, if we have an average defense, that team goes nine and three, or at least eight and four, and we end up going six and seven. And will going down with Brian Brown be ultimately what tanks the ship? Be ultimately what tanks Scott Satterfield? And if it is, again, like that's not like a "woe is me" Scott Satterfield type deal. It's on him to make those decisions. He's the head coach. You hire the coordinators, you stick with the coordinators, or you fire the coordinators. He has stuck with Brian Brown for four years. The defense has been bad, more or less, for four years. It's now, I think we're ranked 100th in the country in total defense. We've been around this area for three of the four seasons that Brown has been the defensive coordinator. That falls on Satterfield. And if we look back and say, man, if we just had like an average old school, like if we'd had a bad Todd Grantham defense, there would have been no thought about firing Scott Satterfield. I think that could absolutely come to fruition. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But right now, that certainly seems like a a, a likely and kind of sad end. But it falls on the head coach. You've you got to make those calls. Defense and that game look decent? What? You say Louisville, our defense are against the run is what I was saying. They, oh, okay. they were they were keyed on the run. They weren't going to let three guys run for a hundred yards against us like they uh, did the week before. And we let Jordan Travis pick us apart. So we had to change, and then the running game started eating us up too. Like we're just not good. We had to change. They scored fourteen points, and their quarterback was thirteen of thirteen in the first quarter. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you kind of have to change. You had to change, and then they started gouging us with the run. And that's the issue: is you can't focus on one thing. Unless you have an you're going up against an offense that has like a huge disparity, like Central Florida did passing, because we're not good enough at stopping the run. If we're just playing like normal defense, we got to go all in on stopping the run. And then if we do that, we're not good enough to play man coverage against any decent quarterback or a decent receiving core. So it's pick your poison. Either way, you're you're getting poisoned because we're not good enough in any area right now defensively to stop anybody. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Hour number two, more text, more talk like this. Also, should mention Curtis Williams, four-star small forward. He's going to be announcing his commitment at 4.30 while we're on the air. That'll be next hour. Uh, he took his official visit to Uva over the weekend. Oh, damn. Sounds very good. <laughs> sounds like we're in a good spot there. I think he's going to. You know, never, never sure. Certainly sounds like he's going to become the second member of Kenny Payne's 2023 recruiting class. But obviously when that happens, we will, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it live here on the show. It's all coming your way here in hour number two. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X.
hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain Oh, God. Your face The only thing <laughs> How many of these shows have we done? How many? How many do we have? The needle tears Okay, this is, this is almost too much. Welcome, <laughs> welcome back in the second hour of the Mike Rutherford Show. Uh, we're live at the UofL College of Business uh, Studios here in Jeffersonville, Indiana, the Satellite Studios. Again, visit business.louisville.edu if you're interested in getting your MBA from UofL College of Business. Uh, we love our friends over there for sponsoring us. We, I mean, you know what we're talking about here. We mentioned Curtis Williams is going to announce his college commitment, the four-star small forward at 4.30. We'll obviously break in. I feel good about that commitment. No guarantees, but it certainly sounds like Louisville is in a place where they should be getting a commitment from him coming up at 4.30. So we can talk a little hoops at that point. We'll get into the yeah. Imani Bates stuff at some point, too. Yeah, Bates? What, what did Bates do? I mean. Man. I know, I know it you, almost makes me feel like talk about taking that 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 uh, reputation of being a gun to, to, to okay <laughs> for those who don't know Imani Bates who was widely rumored to be uh committing to Louisville the former number one player in the country former Sports Illustrated cover boy who ended up committing to Eastern Michigan uh has been arraigned on gun charges Monday afternoon he was suspended from plaque practice and playing privileges uh by Eastern Michigan where he is um it, it, this was it almost made me think think like this should be a Louisville story, right? Like the guy that we we're going to get excited about getting. I'm like, I'm like, how did he not end up coming here? Props to Kenny Payne for passing on him because this felt like something that would only happen to Louisville. Uh, but he is now court records show he's been charged with two felonies: one for carrying a concealed weapon and one for uh, altering ID marks on a weapon. Does this? That's spelling off like the serial number, right? I think that's what it sounds that's, like. That's that's a big no no. Can't do that. No, you're not, no, no, not unless you want to go to jail. Uh, I mean. What are you doing, kid? First of all, somebody around him needs to to get control of this kid in this situation because it sounds like it's spiraling towards a path that people have seen coming for a couple of years now. But Trevor, where does this leave? For people who don't know, you and Scooter Dingus, the producer for KRC, uh, Mondays uh, through Fridays, seven to nine, right here on fourteen fifty The Big X, and then again at nine to eleven until we get a, a new, sh- you know, Michael Bennett comes back and we get just the cats again from nine to eleven. Um, <laughs> Did I tell you I have like they're they're they did like three shows there. I have them all on recording here. Good. We should just play play the best of. We just <laughs> we should go through and play some clips one day. <laughs> one day if I'm not feeling well enough to do the show, we can just, we'll just Bennett, Bennett's got it. Bennett and Cutler. We'll just play about that. People be like, what the hell are they talking about? So you and Scooter Ding is the producer for for that show. You have a bet going. Yeah, we. I guess he, Scoot says he thinks Eastern Michigan will win more games this season than Louisville. He got confident, ran his mouth when 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 Bates chose EMU over Louisville, which I think we were both kind of like, you know, eh, we'd take him, but I'm not really worried about it. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I just felt like the juice wasn't worth the squeeze to begin with anyway with him. And yeah, Scoot's decided to. He got all you know puffy and like. I believe it's a five hundred dollar bet, is it not? It is. He said five hundred bucks. And I, and I and I and I and I you know me I can sometimes can get a little 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 uh, overzealous too and I'm like you know what I'll put 500 on that they'll win more games and Scooch was like I'll take it so we we have that bet currently yeah he's gonna buy me a new PS5 I can't wait uh, when I do win the bet because I'm gonna win the bet because regardless of whether they had kept Bates or not and I didn't expect Bates to even play the full season there he may not even play there at all at this point but I, I had no no I mean no I, we're we're good. And, and Scoots went on Twitter today and was like, I'm still confident because I made the bet regardless of Bates. I'm not reading verbatim, but I'm just kind of 
paraphrasing. Uh, they still have it. They still have more than two guys that can dribble. No, so he's not welching. He's not. He's not going back. He is coming. He's even gotten to the point where he's tried to make it sound like he's doing that thing where he goes, uh, "I'm going to do it nice for you. I'll let you take it down to 400." Ooh. Like, no, you're not. Ooh. You know, you're, you know, you're backpedaling your buddy, and you're. And this is the thing. And he can claim it wasn't about Bates or not, but we know it was all about Bates and him getting wrapped up in Bates. And here's the, and, and and you know what? That is the first mistake you made because Penny did the same thing at Memphis. And it didn't work out for him. And now Scooch are doing the same thing Penny did. Hey, he's little Penny. <laughs> I just checked the um, little scoots. Little scoots. <laughs> so the bet's still on. We'll find out exactly how oh, EMU yeah. is going to be. The thing is, he's suspended right now from team activities. We've we've got a, a month and a half until the season starts. He'll probably be back for night one. What do you, so, what do you think he even do you think he even showed up for any of the team activities until now? Every time I see Chris Brickley posting a vi- like a video of all the guys he's working out in the NBA in his New York studios, like he's got you know Donovan Mitchell's up there, Carmelo Anthony's up there. Like Amani Bates has been in all these videos. I'm like, is it, should he be in college right now? Is, class. Are classes going on right now? The semester started. What's he doing? <laughs> like Eastern Michigan is not exactly like a stone's throw away from Brooklyn, New York. What's going on? But maybe he's—I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure Stan Heath though is just gonna be like, "Yeah, you can coach the team, man." I'm, all my chips are in here. This is my last job. I don't even know what I'm doing. If I get fired here from here, I'm gonna be an assistant somewhere till I die. So, uh, yeah, you—you you do this team, Amani. This, this is I, this is my last chance to do anything noteworthy. So, uh, Stan Heath—he's—he's—he's—he's he's, 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 uh, your boy in water, the water boy that coach. He's just sitting there. And, I'll just take the ball, hand it over yeah. to who cares. I'm sure Imani's going to wind up playing the first game. I, I saw, too, I Brett, so. Brett McMurphy, he came out with his uh, bowl projections, his updated bowl projections. Louisville, according to McMurphy, we're going back to the first responders bowl, baby. What, with a ticket? We're going back to the first responders bowl. Say what you will about this program right now. I know you're down about it, Trevor. Wow. This program does not, I repeat, does not lose back-to-back first responders bowls ever. We've Never. Been, we've been to back-to-back. Do you know who they would be playing in the first responders bowl, though? I don't know. Are we going to give up 600 yards passing the Navy? Wait for it. You're going to love this. They would be nine and a half point favorites, according to McMurphy, oh, over <laughs> over the Fighting Jed Fishes of Arizona. Is there some, there's no way Arizona's making a bowl game? They're making the first responders Didn't bowl. Did they just lose again this week? I don't know. I don't keep up with Jed Fish the way that you do. They have to have a highlight of some kind of blunder they did this week. It'd be three weeks in a row. They were on TV against somebody because I remember stopping on the game at like 2 in the morning. They beat North Dakota State by That's 3. It. Yeah, because I remember thinking, you're Arizona. You won one game in three years, and you scheduled North Dakota State. Seems like a poor idea. That seems like they a won. Idea. They okay, won. Good. They've beaten San Diego State and North Dakota State now. Not too bad. And they're only losses to Mississippi State, so not terrible. So, yeah, first responders bowl. Let's do it. Jed Fish, our new coach, potentially. Does he win and get in? We'll see. Wow, I can see the, the headlines now. Arizona versus Louisville. Jed Fish versus a dead fish. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the text line, 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. Yeah, Texture says, how much emotion Satterfield has. Oh, I just updated the text line. I had, I guess I had, sometimes it doesn't refresh. Sometimes like, cause it, usually it automatically updates. Sometimes I actually, actually hit the refresh button. We have, <laughs> I thought we had a lot of text to get to. We have way more than I even thought. There's no way. We've got like 71 texts. We have well, start reading, buddy. We got an hour. All right. Uh, Texture says, this season is going to play out exactly how the last three years have. Yep. The coaches haven't learned anything or changed anything, and the players aren't improving. I can't see anything changing. It certainly feels like the same exact story. Yeah. And it's kind of getting improved one bit, and some can be blamed for him too. I guess we're not improving, but it's not you know all 
in Satterfield's court for this to be blamed, but I mean, he has not improved. Has he? Have you shown any improvement from from Cunningham in the the five years he's been here? Not really. We, we look like the same team. I mean, you'll see glimpses, and, like and you'll player. be like, "Oh wow, that's that's the guy we hope to see," and then we won't see it again for three or four. I mean, that's just. No, I mean that's what it is. He made a couple of really nice throws in the first half, and then when the game was on the line, he well, he, he didn't make the plays sometimes. that he needed to. He, he loves did. to tease us with those. Yeah, I mean, he keeps us in games. There's, I mean, if we had, because the people who are saying, you know, if we didn't have Malik, we'd get blown out. Like they're right. Like we we would, but he doesn't make it. At the end of the day, it comes down to winning games, and we have not won enough with Malik running the show, and he has not made the plays in crunch time. And is it all his fault? Of course not. But the quarterback is the one who's going to bear the most, like when it comes to. Praise, he's going to receive the most criticism as well. And he knew that. And he, he talked about it all offseason. Like, I don't care about my stats. I just want to win. We're not winning. For the record, when he does win, you get you get all the praise too. So it goes both ways. That's what I just said. Yeah. I'm reminding you. Text says, uh, is it, a set, it is a set mentality, but it's his philosophy on defense and Brian Brown. Here's a comment set made after the BC win last year. Quote, I don't care how many yards teams get. Just keep them out of the end zone. Well, we're not. Maybe that's why we keep. Beating teams in total yardage, but not winning games. I like, mean, that's that's a great thing, and then the Steve Ben, but don't break philosophy. The problem is, is you're not keeping them off the scoreboard in general. I mean, all, all, all of his quotes, like, yeah, it comes down to winning games, and you're not doing it. Yeah, like that's I, I'm the same way. I don't care how many how many times they get in the end zone if it's less than us. Uh, we have yeah the Kelly Dickey stat by the way was Louisville has been tied or ahead in the fourth quarter in five of its last eight losses. I think we're also now the only team in the last three seasons of college football to have seven games that we've lost where we have outgained our opponents. What a like, great combination! So you're telling me if we go into a fourth quarter trailing to give up because we we apparently do we're zero like what seventy two in games where we go into the fourth quarter. Oh and sixteen trailing after three quarters under enough. Satterfield. I was seventy two sixteen in the same. You got the percentage time. right. Yeah, yeah, I got the amount of wins right. So now you're on uh, the, the, the go, just the stacking on top of that. Like you're taking that 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 big pile of Jeff Goldblum poopy finds and putting it right on top of it. That even when in games where we're leading in the fourth quarter, we're losing seventy five percent of them. Yeah, did I do that math right? Five out of eight. That's about what seventy. That's close to seventy five percent, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's great. So, so basically, what you're telling me is. In the fourth quarter, just give up hope. Yeah, which I think a lot. But unless we're playing UCF, that's the, the UCF is the outlier. If we're in a tight game with UCF in the fourth oh, quarter, God, did we get them on the schedule again. Get bring them back. I know. I know. I said we need to stop scheduling tough at group of five opponents. I take it back. Schedule UCF again. Get a new two year series going. If it's anybody but UCF, if we're playing a conference game, then God help us. If they're within shouting distance of us in the fourth quarter, we're going to lose that game. Is this what UCF like? They sold their soul to the devil to be claimed. To, to be able to claim a half a national title, like, we're going to let you do this. But as a result, you have to lose to Satterfield Louisville every time. We're like, ooh, that 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 country bumpkin, we got to lose to that dude? Like, yep. Like, oh, man. But we get half a national title? Like, yep. Like, okay, we'll take it. Texture says Amani should have used DoorDash like Trevor. <laughs> that guy's just trying to piggyback off the text of the week last week, doing the DoorDash the T. You got, you got time. Wait a minute, why would you... What was he going to DoorDash guns to his house? What, 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 what do you mean? I don't get Instacart. that. Instacart. <laughs> can, can you buy guns on DoorDash? Texas Malik looked terrible in that last series. Absolutely terrible. Looks terrible in every last series in a close game. Like, when they scored, 
even when they missed the field goal, I'm like, we're not going to win. You know, there was no part of me that was like, we're going to mark down the field. And then you get your hopes up. Like, we convert the fourth down. We, we move the ball a little bit. And then when he's like scrambling, scrambling, you're just you're waiting for something terrible to happen. Like, you, you are. You know it's going to happen. You know we're going to lose the game. And, and that's the mentality all of us have as a Louisville fan base. And there were people who were mad last year going into the, remember the fourth quarter of the NC State game where just like this game this past Friday – we should have done more. To, to have, we should have had a bigger lead. But we were leading going into the fourth quarter. And every Louisville fan out there is like, we know how the story ends. And there were some people who were like, y'all have this negative defeatist attitude. Like, come on. Like, let's, let's cheer for the team. Let's get going. Like, we're all cheering. We're all hoping that this changes. But in the back of our minds, we know it's not going to. Like, and if you're honest with yourself, when we're in that spot, you know it too. There is, like, I have no hope that we're going to pull out a close game. Like, I thought, besides the UCF, and again, unless we're playing UCF, because in that game, like, I thought we were going to blow it again because I've seen it happen a million times. But this weekend, I still thought, like, when we got the ball back, they missed the field goal, it's 35 31. We have to put it in the end zone to win. Like, there's no part of me that's like, okay, we're going to go do this. Let's go make a play. And part of that is, again, falls on the quarterback. Part of it is on the coaching staff. Part of it is on everybody else on offense. And more of it is just on the fact that I've seen us lose that game a million times in the last three years. And it's not, it hasn't changed. It doesn't seem like it's going to change. And then I hear the same BS quotes after the game every single week. Well, you know, clearly we're not happy. We're not doing enough. We've got to do better at finishing games. You told us three months ago at, at Media Days that you all spent the entire summer, the entire offseason, talking about how you were going to finish better. That was your whole focus. It's not working. Didn't work. I'm, I'm not trying to be a smart ass, but seriously, has, has Malik ever had a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter? We talked about it at the beginning of the show. Again, the only one that I could remember was potential game-winning and ends up not was the missed field goal against Virginia last year. 2019 against Boston College. He took us down. Uh, they kicked a field goal three minutes left. He took us down. We kicked a field goal to win the game. There you go. I guess that's Great. it. Great. Three years ago against Boston College. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you, like one doesn't immediately jump out at us says all you have to say, right? I, mean, I didn't even remember that game. I had to go. Look. I don't I'm, either. I'm you, you're saying the, it right now. I don't remember. Yeah, it. I'm looking through the schedule right now. That's, that's how. I mean, that's how I found it. I just like when we look for a close game that we won, and that's the only one that season that, that came about. And I mean, but I can name you right off the top of my head three or four times that he he hasn't come through. Well, I can name you three or four. Like when you talk about like Teddy, like I remember Teddy doing it. Like both Cincinnati games. I remember his last two years. Like those immediately jump out of my mind. What was the game he came back with the uh, when he had the injury? Rutgers. Rutgers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Teddy did it on with one leg and one arm. He was like the Black Knight and uh, Monty Python. Monty Python. <laughs> Texas says, is it time to bench Malik for a game to see if it wakes no. him up and he starts playing at the level he was talking about in the offseason? No, because no. we don't have anybody. And that's another I, part yeah, of the I issue mean, is Malik has not – he hasn't been pushed for a starting spot, really. Like Evan Conley a little bit in 2019 when Evan was playing well and he would come into games, but it was still always Malik's job. And this is on the staff. Like They have swung and missed at a number of grad transfers that, that I think would have come in here and been either a suitable backup or a legitimate threat to unseat Malik Cunningham. The only one that we got here that we thought uh, you know might have a chance was the what, the McCaffrey kid from Nebraska, and he lasted two practices before he left. He was, and was like, anyway. I'm done. Yeah, he was the Luke McCaffrey. He was not very, very good anyway. But we haven't gone out and gotten anybody that could reasonably compete with Malik for a starting spot. And if you bench him right now, you go with Brock Doman, who was a – look, we love Brock Doman on the show, but he was a JUCO prospect coming out of that school in Kansas that had um, the, the the last chance you show on it and had no other FBS scholarship offers. Like, I- 
I love saying Brock Doman. I don't want to watch Brock Doman. No, and Evan Conley, I think, is still a little dinged up. We'll see, like we still don't. We haven't heard anything about Caleb Johnson. We don't know what's going on there. But there hasn't been like a. There hasn't been anybody that you could no. go to. When when Evan Conley played the last couple of years, he was not good. He was he gave us some great moments in 2019. But the last two years, when Malik has gotten dinged up and had to take a series or two off, um, Conley's come in and has not been able to move the ball at all. So. There's no other like, – like, he's I mean, clearly if, your best option. If you get Conley in there, maybe he gets in the groove and he gets a little better. I mean, obviously, look at the Florida State coach, look quarterback, look, you know, after halftime looked better than he did in the first Yeah, half. but that guy has an arm, like, yeah, and he's at Florida State. I also got to play against our defense. <laughs> I mean, so maybe Conley will look good in practice. But, I I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I can't imagine. I mean, maybe we'll have some bright spots with Conley. The only thing is maybe if we get him in a clutch situation, maybe we put him in, in, the, in a fourth quarter down by – you know, a single digit, single possession score, and put it, just put Con in the game. Maybe that'll help. But, Having the closer, Conley. I mean, it can't be any worse. Play a little I mean, Timmy trumpets. Bring him in. What's he gonna do? They're playing Evan Conley's music. Malik's just furious on the sidelines. <laughs> Stadium's just going nuts. We're down by three. I mean, that's just, that's, I mean, Malik, that's what we got to do, man. <laughs> Texture says, can we just send uh, Sat the good old it's not you, it's me text and move forward? I mean, At this point, no. No, you got to break up with them face-to-face. Texture says, Mike, Trevor, my mama always told me if you can't say anything nice, then don't say anything at all. So all I can say is Scott Satterfield is an awesome group of five coach. I mean, if we, if that's, if we pull that philosophy, my mom used to give me the same thing. Then you're just going to get three hours of dead air here from me. A buddy of mine texted me. He's like, "What if we flipped on College Game Day this morning and like Sats like first row at App State, <laughs> just like painted up, like got his Mountaineer stuff on, holding up a sign." I also loved the idea of like right after the Purdue loss to Syracuse, and I tweeted this out there. What if Satterfield just like tweeted out just like the eyeball emojis, just nothing else, no other oh, context, which is like, huh? Huh? Like, just does he actually tweet or is that somebody else uses his account? It's somebody else usually. I think. I figured, I He's know. been very, very quiet recently. I don't but even know if I follow him on Twitter to be honest with you. Would have just the, the city would have just spontaneously combusted because one, like he needs to be staying off social media these days. Two, sure. like you know, taking the shot at Brom for losing a close game against the team that blew you out would would have been. I, I, it would have been so funny that I would have appreciated it because at this point, I would have thought it was funny. We're all dead anyway. Why not just laugh at ourselves? Like, like <laughs> we're not. We're, nothing good is happening here. We may as well just try to find some humor in the situation. Texas angry Trevor needs his own emoji. <laughs> be a fat dude screaming. <laughs> it looked like you're, uh, you, you. Do you remember what playing Super uh, Mike Tyson Punch Out? Yeah. You remember when you played King Hippo? <laughs> and you hit him in the belly, and he had that expression on his face. That would be that would be <laughs> Matt Trevor emoji. Like the, my head would just, my eyes would be real big, my mouth would be open, and I'd be like, oh. Oh man, Texas says the problem is keeping Sat isn't cut and dry. We can't just keep him for the fifth year on his contract to see what happens. President says we have to give him a new contract after his fourth year to give assurance to the recruit and the future of the program. That's where I mean. That's oh, what makes us. Recruits I watched uh, Pierce Clarkson this weekend. How do you look? Yeah, he, uh, he didn't do much. They ran the ball for like 500 yards on some Hawaii team. Oh, nice. He he did had some nice scrambles, but <laughs> I, I only he only. I mean, I seriously think he threw. They took him out in the third quarter. I think he had maybe even three or four pass attempts. I noticed. That's what they've been doing. I mean, hell, even against the and they're playing on a national yeah. schedule, even against the best teams they played. Now their game against Matter Day is he, coming up. He does look small though. He's. I mean, he's not a, a big he's, guy. Yeah, he looks. I mean, even in like. Even on a high school level, I mean, and you're right, they play Matter Day, and that game's going to be, I think, on Valley Sports. I have to make sure to 
to like check that out. Is that I, this weekend? I think it's in two weeks. I know. I know. I think it was in September. I could be wrong. They they talked about I take it, it back. in the broadcast. They're playing. It's September. It's October seventh. So we have a couple weeks left. Okay. But I know they'd originally talked about moving that game to SoFi Stadium, like because it's yeah. gonna be like twenty five, thirty thousand people. And I watched Matter Day. Uh, no, it wasn't Matter Day. It was I saw De La Salle. Some reason Bally's. It's not. I get to watch high school California football in Bally's at night now because it comes on at like midnight and there's nothing else on. Uh, but I, I was going to say I watched Matter Day lose, but that was De La Soul. I actually got upset uh, two weeks ago. De La Soul. De La Soul. Yeah, it was me, myself, and I. Uh, Matter Day. <laughs> Whatever. De La Soul. De La Soul. Yeah. Uh, Texas. Uh, the the texture's not wrong. Like the issue is if Satterfield, if you're keeping him. You're not just keeping him for the next season. You're not giving him a one-year contract. You're going to extend him. And imagine trying to sell the fan base on extending a guy who's going six and six, and to use Brett McMurphy's predictions, going to back-to-back first responders bowls. I like how you're still confident we're going to go six and six. I'm I'm not. I'm saying if it, if it's not confidence. six and six, I, that's the hypothetical that I'm throwing out yeah. there where it gets awkward. If it's not six and six, then. I know some people may push back against this. I can't keep the guy with a losing record. If he goes five and seven, I don't care what the combination of wins and losses is. In my eyes, and I've been saying this since, you know, the last offs, even when the recruiting picked up, I've been saying I would get rid of him at six and six. I don't think he will. I think if he goes six and six, I think he keeps his job. I definitely it's, it's a no brainer to me if he goes five and seven because when I know that we're not a program that has been at the top of the food chain or near the top of the food chain at any point in our existence. But there has never been a point in the history of Louisville football where we've had a head coach who's been here four years, had a losing overall record, not taken any sort of conceivable strides forward, and the fan base has been okay with that. You can mention, you know, Schellenberger had those three terrible seasons to start his career. He inherited nothing. We won, I think, seven total games in his first three years. Year four, we went eight and three. There were signs of progress there. He may have had a losing overall record or a record near 500. Also probably playing a tougher schedule than we got here, despite what the computers tell you. No. Remember, we, we had that argument. We looked up that, that schedule that he went 8-3 oh, and three yeah. against. It was not great. Um, but still, 8-3 and three for what we were at that time. I remember that. Now, you're right. Yeah. I mean, and we've got better players now than we did back then. Like, we, we have recruited at a different level. We, we're an ACC program. We have much better facilities. We have more money at our disposal. There has never been a time where after four years you've looked at a guy and said he's got an overall losing record, his best season was his first season, and said, eh, we got we to see how this plays out. It's never been good enough. It's not good enough now. It shouldn't be good enough now. Short of Clemson, ACC has not been that great in this last span. And we haven't taken advantage. We, no, I mean, and I guess no one has technically. I mean, we're not the only one. But the issue is the, the fact is that we aren't the one. And, and, and when I look at the schedule, and I know, yes, Clemson is, is you know, "Quote unquote better and it's on the road." NC State at least made me look bad against Texas Tech this week because I did bet that as well. And then Kentucky is just going to maul us. I don't care what we do in the games leading up to it. Kentucky's going to beat the crap out of us like they have the last three years, and they should. The schedule outside those three games, last three games, it's just average to below average teams. Virginia is an average team. Pitt's not that. Pitt's not as good as I thought they were. I've watched Pitt twice now. They're an average team. I mean, you have a very high barometer. Like, if you're saying that these are, if you're saying these are average teams, there are only like ten good teams in America. Well, when I say average, I mean that they could lose on any Saturday to another average team. Yeah, there's not that many teams that are just head above everyone else. I think Clemson, NC State, and Kentucky are clearly head above us. But that's it. No one else in the schedule is a team that, that talent wise, we should lose to. Well, I think Pitt's better than us. I, I, I still think they're, I don't think they're that overly talented. That's going and now. It's a game that we go. Oh, we shouldn't win that game. Now we could lose that game. We probably will lose that game because we don't. We're not very coached. We're not coached well. 
but I don't think that we shouldn't. Well, the issue is like we're like, other teams look at us the same way right that now, shit and, and that wasn't the way it was when we joined the conference. Like the 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 bottom of the league has gotten better. There's no way around that. The issue is we have not gotten better. Like we dominated, we dominated everybody in the Atlantic besides Florida State and Clemson. The first three years we were in this league, we did not lose a single game. We we whooped up on BC. We destroyed Wake. We didn't lose to NC State. We upset them a couple times, and we owned Syracuse. And then those prog- programs have started getting better. And we've gotten worse. And so now the schedule that looks, you know, it, it's certainly the same at the top. It's Clemson and then like a, like a bunch of teams that are just like above average. But BC is no longer a walkover. Wake's no longer a walkover. Pitt is, is certainly no longer a walkover, even though they really weren't ever. And we're just like, we're the program that they look at now is like, why shouldn't we beat them? Like we just, we have not taken advantage of the ACC being down. We did not take advantage. We didn't make any moves forward. And I think we joined the conference thinking we're going to be right there behind FSU and Clemson in that pecking order. Like we're competing with Miami and Virginia Tech and, you know, Pitt every now and then for like that second tier. And that was true for the first few years under Bobby and has not been true since. And now all of a sudden we can't pick ourselves up. We can't get back to that. And we're 0-2 in conference play right now. We've lost to two teams in our own division and it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better. And like, this is the way it's going to be now. This is the way, this is big time power conference football. When you, when you fall flat on your face, it's not like it was back in the Big East. It's not like you, you don't wake up to being able to play the, you know, Tulane and Houston in the AAC. It's just, it's tougher. And we've got a long road to hoe. We've got a, 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 a very high hill to climb. And if this guy isn't the guy who can get us back near the top of that hill, then you got to make a move. Like that's because those are still the standards, or at least they should still be the standards. Bad to example, me. Tulane might be as good as Florida State this year. Well, Tulane is 3-0. Yeah, I was going to say, you might be these bad examples. Now, Houston... Well, I meant back in the day. Okay. Houston and I might be a good one because I saw Houston getting crushed by Kansas, and it made me realize maybe that I put too much stock into Houston putting too much stock into Texas. Well, Kansas is 3-0. Yeah. Every great basketball program that sucks at football historically is 3-0 right now, besides us. Duke's 3-0. Kansas three and zero, UK's three and zero. Oh, you're gonna say Tulane. <laughs> Indiana's three and zero. Which you got that one. I took Western. Indiana wins in overtime. Um, like who is it? UNC's three and zero. Like I, like basically like we're the only traditional power program in basketball that is sucking at football right now. So that's another good thing. All right, let's take a break. That's because we're sucking at basketball too right now. <laughs> let's take a break. We have the the Curtis Williams commitments coming up here at four thirty. So we'll uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. We'll break the news, which hopefully is going to be positive. If it's not, then I don't even know what we're going to do. So we'll come back. We'll talk about that before we take a break. Though reminding you, First Bankers Trust they're the first route to go if you've got some money. If you are looking to invest, if you're looking for I don't know trust and estate services, if you're looking for some comprehensive financial planning, there's only one place to go, and it's First Bankers Trust. Visit them online for more information at firstbankerstrust.com. Financial success, it starts with something that we don't have right now with our football program, and that's trust. First Bankers Trust. Satterfield might want to give him a call. You might want to start investing some of that money because I think something tells me those checks are going to stop coming soon. Write the website down, Scott. (laughs) Firstbankerstrust.com. We'll take a break. We'll talk a little Curtis Williams. More of your text as well as we roll on here on the Monday edition of the Rutherford Show. It continues next here on 1450 The Big X. And you could have it all.
breaking my heart, Scotty. You don't make it weird, Scotty. It's already happened. It's already got weird. It's already got weird. You already, already walked in and found the, the kid watching the scramble channel. It feels weird. Nobody knows it. All right, welcome back in. Mike Rutherford Show, Monday edition. When I was down. Obviously, for the first hour and a half, we've been down here talking about the Florida State game. Are you ready to get picked back up? We thought it was going to happen. It just happened. Yeah. UofL has landed a basketball command on the men's side. He Curtis go- Williams, Jr., the number 69, nice, overall player in the class of 2023, according to 24-7 Sports, has officially committed to Louisville. He picked the cards over his fellow finalist, Florida State, Alabama, Providence, and Xavier. Uh, he's from Brother Rice High School. He's six foot six, two hundred and five pounds, small forward. His quote to two four seven Sports was this: "Louisville's in the ACC, and I feel like I can play there. It's the best competition in everything. I can play my game there. And Coach Payne is recruiting some big time players. They have a great coaching staff. When I was there on my visit, it really felt like home. Uh, he said it was great. The fans love the coaches and the players there. It's a big time city there. My favorite part of the official visit was probably getting to hang out with the players and sitting down with coach and having a good long talk with me, my mom, and my sister. So he's his first. He, this is technically again the first commit um, from the 2023 class to commit to Kenny Payne because Caleb Glenn was already there when Kenny Payne took over. He got Glenn to reaffirm that commitment, but this is the first one that he's got. Um, this is what the 24/7 Sports, uh, I guess analyst uh, had to say is that he's a humble guy he's a hard worker he sees things that others don't see and he's an all-around great dude on the court and off the court uh i take it back this is this is a williams quote about kenny Payne, uh and i can't wait, wait to play minute, for who him. am i listening to now i know i'm trying to get all this, so these confused. quotes sorted out so it, there you go we've curtis williams locked in <laughs> he played on the eybl circuit this past year on uh the family is the name of the the team that he played for averaged 11.3 points 5.4 rebounds and 1.9 assists we've got two now the question becomes so we've got it's a solid solid back end of this class with two kids that are in the back end of the top 100 Caleb Glenn I think right now he dropped a little bit after the summer he's around number 60 in most rankings Curtis Williams kind of right in that same same area it's a solid foundation to build this class around at the end of the day just say it you're going to have to have like a five-star headliner for this class if it's going to be what we want it to be from Kenny Payne. But this is a nice step in the right direction. Good to get a kid that you felt like you had the lead on for the last couple of months. Good to go ahead and lock that up, get him locked in. And now let's see if we – because, again, Curtis Williams and Caleb Glenn are good players. In most years, we would be talking about them you know, being okay as like headliners. But with Kenny Payne coming in here and being this, we're going to get five stars right off the bat, we're going to get five stars right off the bat – I think fans will be a little bit disappointed if those these are the two highest rated players in the class. But if they're the back end of the class, if they're like the you know, tying it all in, they're great pieces. There's no question about it. But you've got to get it comes back to landing that that big fish. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think it, it it does maybe cause for some like people who are pain haters anyway to already bring it up. And there's no you know me with recruiting five star, four star. I mean, I want to wait and see what the kid looks like. I mean, we've had multiple. Sure. I mean, how many examples of, of kids that just do Louisville alone have we said, you know, come in and been, you know, Terrence Williams a three-star, so-and-so, a, you know, Russ Smith a two-star. And, and we don't need to read the list of highest-rated recruits in program history yeah, again. We know it's not great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not panned out. So, I mean, 
and there's like you said, what is there? What you say? There's like 642 four stars anyway, and like 362 five stars. I mean, not many five stars. A lot of four stars. Okay, so I mean, so there's only like 232 five stars. I think there's like 1920 in most classes. I think there's one for every Thornton's in Louisville. So no, not not fives. (laughs) Fours are what you're thinking of, because four stars is like it's like number 21 in the class through like number 112 in the class (laughs) is a a four star. I'm not exactly. That's exactly I think what it is this year. It's just probably stopping around 50, but that's nowhere there. I mean, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. I'm just excited to get the kids, get a kid signing. Uh, I don't know a lot about him other than his name. And for some reason, I remember his name. I think of Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. But, you know, good, good job, Kenny. Keep it going. Yeah. H- high five, buddy. Sorry, I'm distracted right now. What are you doing on your phone there? Did you ever listen are you to doing the Cardinal Insider for me? I'm doing the Cardinal, I'm doing the Cardinal <laughs> Insider right now. Did you ever? Li- this is a. I know the answer to this, but I'm asking it anyway. Why must you ask questions you know the answer to? Did you ever listen to the Serial Podcast when it was like a big deal a few years ago? Let me ask you a question. Uh, I know. Do you think my answer is no? Yes. You would be half right. Okay. I actually did listen to it when it first came out. You're talking about the one with the phone at Blockbuster, right? Was it the phone at Blockbuster? Yeah, it was all about a payphone at a Blockbuster. and I think there's a small part of it. Well, but that's the same story, right? I don't even remember the payphone. I don't remember Blockbuster did being... You I remember, li- did you not listen to it as well as I oh, did? I, I, I was big into this. I don't Apparently think, not. I think. Are you thinking of the Big Lots? Or the, no, uh, it, was a, it was a Best, no, it was best, best Buy. Best Buy, that's what I'm thinking. Best Buy. Best Buy is where the murder allegedly happened. What did I say? You said Blockbuster. Oh, sorry. My bad. Best Buy. I was Again, it's in the right alphabetical order. Uh, blockbuster. What year did this murder happen? 1999. Uh, no, yeah, it was yeah, the one with the payphone at Best Buy. Yeah, that, I listened. I actually never finished it because I got bored with it, but like, I listened to a lot of that one. Because I, I think it was was it Yates or TJ, one of them. I think it was I was doing the show with TJ and he was into it. And okay, like, so the answer is no. It's, it's what you're getting to. I, no, I think I think it's 50 50. Yes and no. Anyways, so I was. Big into this for a while. Like I read like the court transcripts. Like like, and I was You're a geek. I, yeah, pretty much. Like I got very very into this. Like I was a hundred percent convinced he did it. Like like everything pointed to. It. And apparently they found like some big new evidence last week that you know they ordered like a retrial. And like it was like this huge shocking thing. And now just now, like a judge has ordered the release of Adnan Syed after overturning two thousand murder convictions uh, chronicled by popular serial podcasts. Like the judge is asking for him to be released. Like they. It's not just like we have some was evidence that says payphone at Best Buy. No, not because it's the payphone at Best Buy. Oh. They like they've got two new suspects that apparently, like, like one threatened Heyman Lee before, and th- that information was just, not turned over to d- defense. And like the one, uh, another suspect had a relative that lived at the place behind where the car where she was killed and was found. Like this the is podcast from like ten years ago. No, it was like a uh, twenty sixteen. No, it was longer than that, wasn't it? I think it was, it was 2015 or 2016. I remember we were living at our house that we live at now when I was I listening to it. I could have sworn my grandmother was still alive, and that was in 14. No. Well, it may have been 14, because we were living at that house, and we moved in there in the summer of 2014. Oh, did you have to live at that house for seven years? <laughs> no, it's 2014. So it came out in 2015. Okay. Yeah. Meet halfway. Um, so it's been seven years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, like I said, I didn't get it. I, when it, When he came out and TJ was like, you need to listen, he was all obsessed about it. It was Henry Yates. It was one of the two. And, uh, and I was like, I'll give it a shot. And I listened to it for, for a little while. I remember, like I said, the only thing that stuck I can't believe he's getting out. The only that, thing that stuck nuts. out to me was the payphone. For some reason, that, that, that storyline stuck out to me and my, it stuck in my mind. But 
I never got like I said. It just got I got bored with it and stopped listening. I'm I, I'm shocked. Like I, I was I even debated buying a shirt that said Adnan did it at one point because I was 100 percent he did it. He's getting out. He's making the. He's really. I watched the HBO series that came out a couple years ago where they were supposed to have new information. They really didn't. Uh, but it's. Well, I'm very curious to see what exactly this this insight is because they think that this Mr. S and then I guess his the guy who was his mentor at the mosque are like the two new suspects that apparently were part of it. But anyways, he's getting out. Wild news. All the evidence is cold anyways. Move on. I mean, what you just said just totally contradicts. I'm telling you right now, they found new evidence that he is getting released from prison after 20-whatever years. I like only murders in the building. That's the closest to a podcast I think I'll listen to now. Good show. Yeah, where are you at now, by the way? I think I'm four episodes into the second season. It's okay. You're still okay. It's good. Yeah. Good. Uh, but anyway, props to Curtis Williams. Uh, props to Kenny Payne landing the. Get, we, we needed some good news on a Monday. There it is. Yeah, we needed something positive. Yeah, five zero two four one four four TV is the Thornton sex line. Texas Eagles are going to win a, a game tonight. Okay, yeah, that's positive, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, Texas says Big X. Did they upgrade their radio tower? Trevor's voice has some treble to it now. No, we're just over at the Big X. We're over at the uh, the OG studios. We're here. Wait, wait, some treble opposed. To, I mean, so I have the bass, right? They used to tell me, lighten up, put some bass in your voice. They used to tell me, toughen up, put some bass in your voice. But he's saying I have bass. I he is. treble. He's saying you got some treble. Here comes treble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no treble. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> Texas, it seems like Kenny Payne has a type of player that he's trying to recruit. Length and versatility. I wonder how many recruiting battles we will be in with FSU. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah. Would that really be a bad thing to be involved with FSU in recruiting battles? No, I mean they've been recruiting well. Yeah, they've been sending. They've had how many guys taken in the, in the lottery in the last few years? I mean, more last year than we've had in five years. Yeah, I mean he's a. I mean Williams is a six six small four. He does definitely seems to like those types of wings, six five six six guys. Now we've recruited a lot of players that have had the same type. We just haven't landed many of them. But I think I mean, the twenty twenty four class, we're recruiting a couple of six one guards that are really really good. I think what it comes down to is, you know, if the kid can play and doesn't technically fit into like that great wingspan, great length mold, Payne's still going to take him if he feels good about him. But right now, he definitely seems to have a type. Like we're going to, we'll know more once the actual season starts as far as how he wants to play. But I mean, we have enough size on this team that you should. Yeah. Really. I mean, got to utilize it. Assuming that most of them come back. Yeah. Texas says, uh, wife and I just listened to the Bo Bergatti serial podcast. Very good. Would re- recommend. I haven't, I started listening to the one that was right after Adnan's, and I, I just couldn't get into it. So. Well, they probably, Adnan was seven years ago. They probably had a couple of them since then, right? They've had a few. They've kind of been flops since then. But the one was like the military guy. I just yeah, I couldn't get into it. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't just do the I, I start thinking of Tina Fey from Murders Only now. When I, think, when I hear when I think of serial podcasts. Yeah, Texas says oh, this is a long text. Oh no! The problem for me is that this has become an unreciprocated relationship. The stadium was up and ready for that game again. The red out looked just as good, if not better, than I have seen in most Colorado attempts. The fans are showing up. The players are seemingly bringing the enthusiasm and the intensity. And the play calling stalls with lackluster offense in the last quarter of our game. Our DC refuses to adjust. Uh, they aren't emphasizing edge defense. FSU's running attack gets the outside. These are basic things that our coaches are falling short on. And as a fan base, we deserve more in year four. It just feels like one more year of, quote, if the ball bounces our way or if one play goes differently, we are winning that game. It, I mean, it does. Like, this is the, the, if you're defending Satterfield at this point and you're saying, you know, well, we had a chance to win that game. We're right there. We look like we're better than we. 
Yeah, all that's true. But we've heard the same thing now for three straight years. We could play the same Monday show like exactly. five out of six. It's the same we, thing. I mean, we might as well start taking three-day weekends. It, honestly, like, it'd be, less, though, it'd be less frustrating if every game for the past three years that we've lost looked more like the Syracuse game than the, the Florida State game, but they haven't. Just something, yeah. Give me, get, just change it up a little bit for me, maybe. Because we, like, I, you watch this team play, and you're like, you have this thought every single week. I feel like where it's like, how are we not up by more? You even thought it a little bit during the UCF game. Like we look like things are going, like things are going great. We look like we have a capable offense. We'll have def- every now and then a defensive guy will step up and make a huge play, and you're like, damn, like that's what we've been wanting to see from you. Like th- this should be happening more, and then you just have stupid stuff happen that keeps the other team hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. And then, boom, suddenly you're down, and you're like, how the hell is this happening? And then when somebody has to step up and make a play on either side of the ball, they just – they never do. They never – whether it's a kick, it's a throw, it's a catch. I know we've been hard on Malik, but Tyler Hudson on that fourth down play in the penultimate series hit you right there. Like, it wasn't a great throw. you got to make – if you're our best receiver, if you're our number one option. You're talking about the fourth down? Yeah, it's like it's right here on your back hip. Catch the ball. I mean, it was – yeah, I mean, it's – it was it was a bad throw. Not a good throw, is what it I just is, said. Make the catch. Hit you right there on the, well, the the hip. I mean, can we have this exact same conversation last week at Central Florida? About when they went for Fortune Five. Yeah, and it's like it's not a great throw, but it was on his hands. Well, you said it wasn't a great throw. I said it was fine. Like yeah. he, didn't, he that one hit Marshawn right in the hands. Either he just didn't or, look it in. Same week, same old song and dance. Yeah, not great throws, not great catches. Nobody's doing well. Like it's just nobody. Like no, you say that all the time when you're watching football. It's like somebody make a play, right? It's a classic. It's like the somebody's got to make a shot in basketball. Nobody on this team ever steps up and makes that play, and it's been happening for three years now. <laughs> Even with UCF, like the big play was. I, I mean, I guess Jarvis Brownlee in the back of the end zone, but the big play more times than not was like John Rice Plumley just missing a wide open dude. Yeah, that's, just to be honest, that was not a yeah. Even if the guy his own guy caught it, he probably wasn't going to land in bounds anyway. Texas says uh, you were talking about Monty flying around. Monty is flying around. He's just whiffing and missing tackle after tackle, or he's flying around to the wrong spots. It's so frustrating. It is, and it's it's surprising because Monty was really good when he was healthy before you know getting hurt last season, and he just has not. There's no other way to put it. It's not been his best. The last three weeks, he hasn't looked like the same player. Texas said, I'm no longer feeling confident about the high level of football commits. Why would they want to come to Louisville at this point? I mean, NIL stuff is like your hope, right? At this point? You're yeah, hoping I mean, that it's a... I don't think it's... Yeah, I mean, they want to come here and win. I mean, they're not coming here to keep the winning tradition around. Well, maybe start one. <laughs> I, I mean, how long can you get by on showing highlights from the 2016 season, right? Like, Lamar can only carry you so far. Lamar and Jair Alexander, we're, we're pointing to him. It's been a long time since we've done. Jair look, had the game-winning interception last He did. He, play, he played well. It, it's been a long time since we've had a like, – when's the last time we were in the spotlight for anything actually related to the, the current team? We haven't had a big-time win in a long time. It's probably been since the 2016 season. We were in the spotlight in 2017 when we had Lamar and we played. You know, we hosted Clemson. We had game day in town. We got our asses kicked, and that kind of ended that. But people still would pay attention because we had Lamar. Since then, like we're a total afterthought in the the grand scheme of things in college football. I mean, have you seen – I know you've probably seen it, but and I don't know his name, the guy that does the, the comedy skits about the game film. Yeah, I know, we, we, yeah, we got – you knew that was coming t- and, after and, Friday night. And, and, well, I mean, trust – don't get me wrong. Satterfield's era has had, had had those before, but he did a little twist on it where he was Lamar instead of the coach. Yeah. And he's like, you guys are embarrassed me out here. I can't even brag in the locker room. I mean, he, It's like it's – like he's – 
He's right. He's funny and he's exaggerating, but he's not totally off. You know, the only other time that we were kind of in the spotlight is when we had, like, we had college game day during the COVID year when we had Miami in town. And that's just because we were like, that. remember, like, we were the only conference playing? Yeah. <laughs> like, the Big Ten hadn't started yet. I think it was us in the Pac 12 were the only teams playing. I forgot. And then we had Miami here. That. And so they had th- that, you know, trimmed down version of college game day was in town. And we also got our asses kicked in that game. So <laughs> that was the one. Yeah. That was the one. It wasn't the one where. We gave up 50-something points, and we scored 30, but we gave up 50. It was bad, yeah. Yeah. Texture says, uh, conspiracy theory, I love these, the donors are paying off officials for Purdue games, so they tank and Purdue fires prom, and we can get them for cheaper. <laughs> uh, somebody's paying off that back judge, because there's no way he made those calls, honestly. Oh, Planet horrible. Fitness, they know what they're doing. They're investing in West Lafayette. Uh, Texas says, sends a tweet, says, Jeff Brom is now 10-19 and 19 in one-score games at Purdue. In nine of those losses, Purdue was either leading or tied inside the final minute. Uh, he says, LOL, it's the same thing that we've been dealing with for four years. No, it's not. You know why? Because if that stats was set up, it'd be 0-29. You know how much I'm, I'm – Well, no, we won one-score games. I, going into a fourth-quarter game, how many, how many did we win? I don't know how many we've won going into a fourth quarter. I would – I'm willing to give my left testicle for 10 at 10 wins in a fourth quarter games right now. 10 and 19 in one score games is not good, though. And better, then it's better than what we're dealing with. Losing nine games when you're leading in the fourth quarter is not. Not to mention, I'd like to also see either. some of the games because, again, Big Ten is better than the ACC. It is. Now, I know none of those games were against teams that were probably dominant, but it is still a better conference. Texas, is Malik just not the right quarterback for Satterfield? I mean, what is the right quarterback Actually, for Satterfield? No, I think he, he is. He seems like he should fit the offense really well. And, he is. And again, the offense, like from a from a strictly number standpoint, has been good over the last three or good enough over the last three years. It just doesn't seem to make the plays when you need them. And a lot of that is on the defense too, because if the defense was holding anybody below thirty points on a weekly basis, besides UCF, well, even last year they scored thirty five, then we'd be winning more games. But Malik should be a, no, a good fit for this offense. Listen, you, I, I sit here and I've watched. You know, like I said, I watch Chris Clarkson. Chris Clarkson is the same. I mean, I mean, skill set wise, is is Malik. I mean, he is, he is what he's a smaller, quicker. You know, he wants to run bootlegs and run it out of the pocket. No, Malik is exactly what Satterfield's offense is perfect for. And just Malik is. I mean, he lacks certain things like clutch. The clutch gene. Texas says, "Give me Jeff Brom all day." Texas says, "If we were to move on from Satterfield, how would you feel about getting a recently fired head coach?" Like Tom Herman, Dan Mullen, Matt or Matt Rule, if he gets fired. Well, I don't want Matt Rule. Matt Rule is a is a he's a, Matt Rule's horrible. A buddy of mine texted me yesterday. He's like, "We're gonna get Matt Rule, aren't we?" I was like, "Please, no, no, no please." He's like, if I you, mean, I don't know. At least he was successful everywhere he went in college. But, let me finish the text. He says, "If you can get any of those guys, I'd take them over Braum. I would take maybe Tom Herman over Braum. I still believe in Tom Herman. I don't believe in Dan Mullen or Matt Rule at all. I don't yeah, at all. I mean, Matt Rule. I guess I could. You could talk me into it a little bit because. His college tenure has all been successful for the most part. I mean, he rebuilt Clint Temple. He did it with with Baylor, and Baylor was bad when he got there. Uh, he got because he took over, you know, the whole stuff with with Browse. So, I mean, maybe you could talk me into that because he's been bad in the NFL. But that's that would be uh, no, and I don't want Mullen and I don't Herman's. I, I could I wouldn't I wouldn't be horrible with. Texas, I know there are bigger fish to fry at this point, but our marching band is tiny and sounded shrill at the game. We need an NIL collective for the band. Can we settle on a shade of red? Why not? It's Monday. Get it all out. If you got a complaint, I, I'm not even mad about it. The band's not good enough right now. Nobody's good enough. 
get some NIL deal. Plan Fitness, get on the band. Have we ever been like one to brag about our band? I mean, not not compared to like the gigantic like SEC marching bands and stuff like that. But the no, band, the band has made big strides in recent years. I mean, I know we're not like going to be like on the you know an HBCU level or like God forbid even Ohio State level. Did you see theirs this weekend? Yes, they did the stomping of a Michigan. Like, I mean, that's awesome. They're always great. I mean, or even Ohio for that matter. I guess they did the cool ones. But I mean, I don't know. We I mean, went to the music. I probably sometimes should. I wonder if we even have a band anymore. I probably shouldn't tell the story, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> we went to the Music City Bowl. Like and after we did the radio show, we like. We're up in like one of the, the the suites. We got a cool little invite, which was nice doing the radio show. But like we're sitting next to Dr. Lin of Lin Family fame, and Dr. Lin has been like doing the like, like he was in charge of the marching band for a long time. I did not and know did that. like a great job. Like because it used to be way way worse. They have they have made strides oh, in recent wow. years. Hold on, hold, Trevor, hold on. <laughs> they have made big strides in recent years. So we're sitting there, we're watching, and it was the year we played Texas A and M, and A and M has a huge marching band, and Mary is intoxicated at this point. And she's like, I feel so bad for our band right now. Like, look, it's just embarrassing going. And like, we're sitting right next to Dr. Lin. And he's like trying, he's like, he's like, we actually, he's like, we've made, I feel good about the strides we've made. And Mary's like, yeah, but look at how different it, I'm like kicking her under the table. I'm like, I'm like, please stop, please, please stop. She's like, it is embarrassing. I was like, oh my God, please, please stop. I was mortified, but it ended up being okay. We won the game. It's all that matters. Uh, Lamar stiff armed Miles Garrett into oblivion. It was fine. Uh, <laughs> <You> know, <Mary. laughs> she, she texted me before I started and she said, I knew you were going to tell this story. That's great. It was bad. Uh, we have more stories to tell. That's something I would do. <laughs> it felt, it was very much a Trevor type situation. I'm like, I'm like literally like, like kicking her under the table. I'm like, please, God, just stop talking. Uh, 502-414-1450. We, we have so many texts. We'll try to get to as many as we can in the five o'clock hour. Uh, we have more to say about the FSU game as well. That's five o'clock already? I know. I mean, hey, when you've got really fun or really not fun stuff to talk about, the show tends to fly. I'm behind on ordering my dinner tonight. Too. That's, well, priorities. Prior, priorities are priorities. <laughs> I mean, can we talk about that so much? <laughs> we'll take a break. Before we do, though, uh, reminding you about uh, AirServe. If you have AC issues, heating, cooling issues, anytime this year, AirServe is the only place to go to because they have technicians available for you 24-7. They're like EMTs for your air conditioning unit that focus on air quality, energy efficiency, and whether it's too hot, too cold, too dry, or too polluted, they're always going to make sure you're comfortable and breathing the highest quality air in your home. So if that AC goes out at 4 a.m., got small kids, you don't want them to be burning up all night. Only one place to go because they got technicians available for you, and that's AirServe. Call them at 502-264-9662 or visit them online at airserve.com backslash Louisville, A-I-R-E-S-E-R-V.com backslash Louisville. We'll take a break. Five o'clock hours on the way next here. It's another reactionary Rutherford show on 1450 The Big X. Conversation has gone dry. That's 
what's going on Nothing's fine, I'm torn I'm all out of faith This is how I feel Lying naked on the floor Illusion never changed Into something real Wide awake and I can see The perfect scrap is torn You're a little late I'm already torn Perfect. I think she literally nailed my exact feelings. So Friday night, I the whole lost, fan base torn. I'm Friday night. Where am I? I'm lost faith. I'm torn. I'm like naked on the floor. That's right. That was me Friday night. All we wanted to be was not torn. All we wanted to be was on the same page. Yeah, it's just, I mean, is it so much to ask for? I I miss the days of going back and watching like Ruben Owens videos in April. It was great. <laughs> Showing some Pierce Clarkson highlights in June. Those were the days. That's the Louisville football I remember, not actually playing games and not winning them because here we are. It worries me about this recruiting class slightly m- more than if it's not Satterfield as a coach is that if it is Brom, and we all love Brom. And somebody, not all of us. Not all of us. Apparently. But, yeah, some of us do. And this texture just recently, because this made me think about this, when the texture was like, hey, does Malik you know, fit – Sat system, and he does. He's perfect for it, and so is Pierce Clarkson. Pierce Clarkson is not a guy that's going to really ma- fit into what Brom does offensively. No. And Ruben Owens is not a guy a, – Running the running game is not something that fits into what Brom does traditionally. Unless you're DJ Knox is the closest thing he's had to a thousand yards. He doesn't run at all, pretty no. much. Pretty. I mean, he's, no, he hasn't. So that would worry me, especially with those two names – like I could see if if, if if there's a coaching change and it is to Brom, losing those guys would be more on the fact I think we brought in somebody that doesn't match them more than we brought somebody else in. Let me just let me just ask you straight up. That, we've that we've makes talked, sense. yeah, for sure. I, I, I know we're jumping the gun here because we need to start talking about who we're going to replace them with. I mean, we we should. <laughs> Let's talk about straight up. All right. Paul. If I asked you, I think I know your answer, but. Like, this is not a personal preference type deal. I'm not asking what you want to happen. Right now, as it stands, do you think Scott Satterfield is the head coach of Louisville in the 2023 season? Do I, not personal preference. What do you think happens? Do you think he keeps his job for at least one more year? Much like everything else he does, I think it's 50-50, really. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean and say yes. You think he's the coach next year? Uh, yeah, because clearly God hates me. I think he's I think he's not. And I, I did not think that going into the year. I thought he was going to keep his job. I think it's equal parts. One, I, I don't I don't I've, I mean I'm torn on that. I have very strong feelings. I have very I don't think we're getting to six wins at this point. And I'm not sure that Josh Hurd keeps him at six and six. I'm I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I think Josh you can believe what you want to believe about the coaching search. I'm pretty convinced that Josh was covering all of his bases. I think he wasn't just going to give in to the guy that the fan base wanted. He wasn't just going to take the layup. I think he was going to do what he genuinely thought was best for the program. And I do think he kicked the tires on some guys that would have been you know, splashy hires at UofL, and they didn't pan out, and he ended up uh, you know, not saying he resigned himself with Kenny Payne. I think he was very excited to get Kenny Payne. But I think he felt like he owed it to everybody to kind of ch- cover all his bases. I was going to say check all his boxes, but we've retired that statement. And I think now... <laughs> If it's six and six, I don't think Josh is just like it's a done deal that he's going to hire keep him around because it's the safe thing to do. Keep the recruiting class, keep status quo. Like I don't think he's going to do that. 
I also, and this is maybe the bigger part to me, I'm not sure how much Scott Satterfield likes it here. I'm not sure he really wants to keep this job that much. That's, that's that's something I think we we keep ignoringly don't bring up. You're right. I've been saying it for a while now, and like, if you really want this, if this means a lot to you, if you're committed to building Louisville into not just a, you know, team that's good for a couple seasons, but a program that is back to being top twenty five good on a regular basis, you gotta start showing me because I don't I don't see it from him. I don't see, and the South Carolina thing is still in people's minds. I know we got over it to a certain extent. We won't get over it fully until you start winning here over a long period of time. Like, I just don't know that he wants to be the guy here long term. And it wouldn't shock me at all if, like, if this season goes the way that it's going right now, and this team is like five and and seven, six and six, and it's not crystal clear that he's going to be fired. If he just kind of is like, I'll make this easy on you. Like, let's just go ahead and part ways. Does kind of a Chris Mack thing, regardless of how it plays out, I think it's more likely than not that he's not your head coach next year. And that wasn't what I would have said three weeks ago. I thought he would keep his job, but it's just, I've, I've been surprised by the way that we've looked the first three weeks of the season. I've been surprised by some of the things that, that Satterfield has said after games. And I just think that it's, it feels like we're heading toward, I mean, the attendance this weekend is going to be dismal. It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be last Friday. The atmosphere was great. The fans that were there were fantastic. I thought it was going to be closer to 50. They reported it at 46, which means it probably was a little bit lower than that. This weekend is going to be it's going to be something because it's a noon kickoff. It's USF. People are pissed off. You're probably going they'll probably announce it somewhere around 40, maybe a little bit below. It's probably going to be like 28. I mean, yeah, like and the people who are there are going to be dead. If and if God forbid you fall behind early in that game, there will be some booze. It's just the fan base is tired of being they're tired of losing close games. They're tired of not being relevant. They're tired of feeling like they should have more. And right now they're kind of tired of Scott Satterfield. Just plain tired. And it's not going to change with a win over USF. It's probably not going to change with wins over Boston College and Virginia. Can he still save his job and get everybody back on board if we have a, you know, incredible turn of fates and have a fantastic second half? Of course. But what have you seen in the first three weeks that says that's going to happen? The win at UCF was great. I was we were very excited this time a week ago talking about the game, but it still did not it didn't feel like a gigantic script flip. It didn't feel like we're going it felt like we beat a, a UCF team that's probably gonna lose four games this year in the American Athletic Conference. And I would <laughs> second time. I'd love nothing more than to be wrong. <laughs> I don't want to do the total rebuild. I don't I don't want to start from scratch. I don't want to risk losing these kids. We've never had this caliber of recruit committed to our program. This is what we've been dreaming about, even when times were good. We wanted the number one running back in America, the number three wide receiver in America, a top 15 quarterback in America, the number five offensive lineman in America, a top 20 recruiting class for the first time in any of our lifetimes. But you can't be held hostage by recruits. If you don't think that Satterfield and this staff are capable of molding all that talent into a top 15, top 10-ish product, two or three years from now, then what are we even doing this for? And right now, that's the way that I feel. And if Santa doesn't really, if he doesn't envision himself here in four years, leading Pierce Clarkson and DeAndre Moore and Ruben Owens and Madden Sanker to a, an ACC title and a, a trip to the playoff and all that stuff, then again, what are we doing here? And that's just kind of how I feel. Uh, te- multiple textures have pointed out that, that Brom actually was heavily recruiting Pierce Clarkson at Purdue. So, was he? Okay, well, that's good. I mean, so that's there you go. Good thing. 
I, does it surprise me? I mean, I guess, I mean, Brom does. I mean, he doesn't want lack. He doesn't want Neil Donald as his quarterback, but, I mean, he just, Clarkson's a smaller guy, which, I mean. They've had a certain type of quarterback, and you wonder if that was by design or if it was just kind of what he's been left with. Because he's, he's already got, I mean, the, the Donald guy who's starting. I mean, he's got a, he's got a four borderline five-star quarterback on his bench. The uh, What's that kid's name that was? That was like a four star high, low high, four star recruit. It was a redshirt last year and thought about transferring but stayed. I can't remember his name to save my life, but he was a pocket passer. He's like six four, you know, the stereotype pocket passer. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's. I don't think he's even played since he's been there. But yeah, uh, we've started with the game kind of ad nauseum. We also mentioned uh, in the second hour, Curtis Williams committing to Louisville basketball, which is big time news. Uh, we have we Tetris asked if we talked about Imani Bates. We did talk about Imani Bates a little bit. The Trevor Scoots bet is still on. We're feeling good about that. We have not given a proper shout out to Louisville volleyball over the weekend, going on the road, taking down number nine Stanford in Stanford. Yeah, yeah. Michael Alamo was his name, by the way. Shout out to Michael Alamo. Uh, four set victory for the Cards. They will I assume still be in the top three of the national rankings when they come out uh, this week. Cards turn their attention to ACC play uh, starting now. I think they play Miami on Friday for their first match. But credit to them, props to them. Nice to see a big time victory for one Louisville team over the weekend, and yeah. then. Of course, we've got Monday Night Football tonight. Trevor's Eagles are playing. He's yeah. going to be excited about that. We'll make our picks for that game coming up at the end of this hour. But yeah, Bills and Titans, too. Bills and Titans, too. Can't forget the Bills and Titans. I'll be watching that one while I'm doing the Bats game tonight. The Bats will be uh, in their last homestand today. Or is the first start of their last homestand. It goes so fast every year. Yes. April rolls around, you're like, man, long season. And then, boom, it's September. The Bats are calling it a, a, a season. Uh, they'll always remember this as the year that I voiced their intro, and they once again did not win nearly enough games. And I worked the board, and it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was poor Nick's torn because on one hand it's probably not as fun a season he's had calling because of the, the losses, but on the other hand it's the most fun he's had off the air between innings. His words are yours. Because, but. I think I'm speaking for him. <laughs> there you go. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Sucks line. We'll try to take as many of these texts as we possibly can before the end of the show, but just a heads up, we're probably – I mean, we're, we're not going to get to all of these. There's a lot out there. I mean, most of them are probably just kind of saying the same thing, I would think. Yeah. Texas says, not saying you're wrong, Mike, and I kind of agree, but if Sat doesn't like it here, why did he beg for his job last year as reported? Well, that's just Trevor report, <laughs> reporting that. I don't think begged for his job is, uh, oh, no, dude, is how I would put it. it. I mean, <laughs> if you're wondering why he wanted to keep his job, the answer is where else is he going to go? I mean, he's got a contract Maybe here. He's going to regret it. He could have gone to Duke. They're three and zero. Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> well, I don't think he could have gone to Duke. I don't think they. I think he. I think, I think he Duke, would have if they'd offered him. But yeah, Duke supposedly didn't want him, which should tell you something, by yeah. the way. Uh, yeah, the, the whole beg for his job, I don't think is exactly how it played out. But he certainly <laughs> wanted to keep his job, and why wouldn't you? It's a it's a good gig, getting paid a lot of money. Uh, Texas says. Let's work with the stat not liking U of L thing. One, he moved his parking far away from the complex. Two, he moved the coach's bench in front of the student section. Three, the Scott Talk Show is now at White Castles. Four, put a coin on the <laughs> put a coin lock on the coach's bathroom slash locker room. <laughs> Treat him like play now and George Costanza. Will you let me, will you let Josh Hurd know I'll be in my office if he needs me? I'm in my office. Marjorie, dear. <laughs> uh, a was recommending the boys for you. You've already you've watched that show. Love it. Yeah, you, you love. I'm recommending it for you. I started the first episode. I didn't finish it. Uh, how'd you not? How's not grab you right when the, the 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 girlfriend gets just blown up by by the Flash guy? Yeah, it was just because uh, he's all hopped up on coke. <laughs> maybe sometime in the future. 
Texture says there was some spotlight. Uh, talking about you, last time UofL was in the spotlight, there was some spotlight on Malik leak after the Duke game last year. Yeah, but Duke was terrible, and that was and that's the th- that, that's what Malik does. He blows up on Dukes and 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 you know James Madison's God. Hopefully, that's James Madison. Who knows with that? But you know, and, and everybody starts talking about how you know he's this ultimate weapon and. It, it, but no, it's not. It's, it's not the same. It's just, no. Texas, I'm just joining the show, but it seems wild that we're getting procedure penalties at home. You said it once before, Mike. This squad has a razor-thin margin of error. It seems like one mistake just kills drives. Yeah, one mistake does, then we have like three or four in a row. Like, I mean, we had a procedure penalty on a fourth and one on a receiver. And it was Tyler Hudson. It's, it's, by the way, it's two, that's two out of three weeks he's gotten that. It was just like a flinch, too. Like, what are yeah. you doing? And yeah, I love when the announcers, even Andre, where it's like, Dude, you know all you gotta do is watch the ball. Yeah, I mean, just like, just yeah, stand you, there. How do you get a? Um, I, I think I mean I don't remember how penalties we had completely, but I feel like every portion of the team, offense, defense, special teams, all had multiple penalties. We had a holding on the opening kickoff, which was great. We also held on a muffed punt, which was a bitter pill. That was great. Not a muffed punt, a uh, botch punt, yeah, so shanked punt. That's, is what so, I mean. so, so that's two. I mean, every when, when you have mul- when you have at least two or more penalties in every phrase of the team. That's just bad coaching. I'm sorry. That's 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 lazy coaching. Plain and simple. When a guy drops a ball, put got put in the right position. Coach can't blame you, that the player dropped the ball. Coach said all he could do. When you got guys committing penalties, not just this game, Central Florida game. I mean, God, the only reason we didn't have so many against Syracuse was because they were just out there kicking our butt and didn't matter. The thing is, like Satterfield always talks about. You know, clean football, and and we always talk about you know Satterfield may not be the most dynamic coach, but he's you know he's X's nose and and clean football knows how the games play. Are we just saying this because he's a guy who coached in the Sun Belt and has a twang? Like, because like, these teams have been very undisciplined for the last like three or four years. We have bad turnovers at terrible times. We've been bad with penalties ever since then. We have missed assignments. We have guys who are in the wrong places. I, I, we just like, kind of bought into this. Is it just because he's from Boone, North Carolina, and he has a little twang that I we're like, he knows how to like, play clean football. We've never played clean football for four seasons. Where do we rank in terms of penalties in the season? Got to be low because it's been bad all three games. The only, reason, the only reason it hasn't stood out as much is because the teams that we've played have had like worse penalties than we have. Well, it's because Syracuse had 20 of them. I mean, UCF had a bunch too, and Florida State had some bad ones. I think we had more than FSU on, on, on Friday. But the first two games, we had a ton of opposing penalties, and we did not take. What do, I mean, where did we rank last year in penalties? Too, as well as when I got hiccups, I hate hiccups. Sorry, are you okay? I mean, I hate hiccups so bad. Texture says uh, the fact that Mike just mixed up a bunch of people said this. I guess I, I said uh, Cragthorpe instead of Satterfield last hour and didn't miss a beat at all. I, I did not notice it, but. Thank you to the many people who did notice that. It was, I guess, a Freudian slip, um, a sad slip. Texas, uh, Satterfield and Brom are exactly the same. How? Texas, I'd take Jeff Brom's 10-19 record in one-score games compared to Scott Frost's 0-100 record. Well, yeah, we're not hiring Scott Frost. First of all, Frost had one win. Did he? He was 1-24. Good Lord. What are we? I mean, like I said, we're like 5-22 we're like or 5-28. In one-score games? Or at least in get close key. I mean... If we're 0-16 trailing in the fourth. No, we're 0-16 going into the fourth quarter when we're without the lead. And then we, we've lost, what, we went, we're 3-8 three and, three and eight in games that we've tied or led in the fourth, according to Dick. No, 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 we, that, that's not any over. In, eight, in the last eight games that we've lost, we've had a lead in the fourth quarter five times or been tied in the fourth quarter five times. So, I mean, that, that, that so, I mean. Did we it's like one-score games. We won two last year. We've won one this year. Um. We, 
we're not close enough to lose I mean, many. We, I mean, does Satterfield even have anywhere near ten close one win games, one one possession games? Well, he hasn't coached that as that much. He's only been here for four years, so. <laughs> I mean, he said. <laughs> I wonder how many times. I wonder what his record is in one possession games. Uh, I don't know. I'm not gonna look it up. Um, it was looks like it was two and three last year. It's one and one this year, so <laughs> at least three and four. We know that. Uh, Texas says, "Give me Jim Leanhart, uh, what with the Wisconsin DC, Jeff Lebby, Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, or Clint Hurt, who is the DC for the Seahawks." I've seen the Clint Hurt thing pick up a little bit. Can I ask? I would say he was two and zero oh in nineteen. In close games, but because that's because all five of our losses we got just completely destroyed. There you go. Hey, can't, can't lose close games when you're getting blown out. I, this is an open question, everybody. Listen. Where is the, where's the Deion Sanders thing coming from? Because well, they, they they dominated again this week in scrambling. Cool. Like his son's the quarterback. I know we we recruited him. He was yeah. supposed to come here for a little bit, but like the Deion, I feel like. Right behind Jeff Brom in terms of people who are getting talked about, and I guess Dave Ragone and Clint Hurt to a lesser extent, wow. is Deion Sanders. And I'm not exact. Is it just because he like, he played baseball here at one point in time, or because we recruited his kid and he was talking about Louisville? But everybody just keeps saying like we got to get Prime. Prime would kill it. Prime would kill it. Is it just because we think he could keep that recruiting class intact? Like I don't know where like this whole like Deion Sanders the Louisville movement has started, but it seems it just seems odd to me. Yeah, I don't. I, I haven't actually heard it. I just assumed he was automatically going to uh, FSU. Yeah. Texture says the party deck bathroom already heard this drunken rant after the game, but the parallels between Mac and Satterfield are there. Players getting worse or not improving whatsoever over their career has been happening consistently since those two hires were made. I.e., Malik should be a Heisman conversation piece with the tools he has, and he is far from it. Um, I definitely see. I mean, why has Bragoni been brought up? I know because he went, he played here. I mean, their offense has not been good. Yeah, but he's got a big time job. I mean, the Eagles' offensive coordinator had two spent two years at Louisville. We don't talk about him being connected here. I thought you answer you, you, after I've like read a next text. You're always responding to the text from two before. I'm, I'm still thinking about it. I'm sorry. I know we're, we're <laughs> we've moved on. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll get, we have plenty of time to talk about coaching candidates for next year. Unfortunately, we've probably got a whole season of it. Um, you're right. I know the 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 Mac and Satterfield parallels. I definitely. You can see the comparisons. I mean, both come out. They overachieve in year one. Remember, there was talk about Chris Mack being ACC coach of the year his first season for a long time until we started playing poorly in February. Still made the NCAA tournament. Still was an overachieving season in most people's eyes. Kind of the same thing with Satterfield. Year two, I mean, I think will always be the great unknown for Mack and maybe Satterfield to a lesser extent. The issue was Satterfield's second year was totally dealing with COVID. Mack's got ended because of COVID, but it was a normal season before then. Uh, the season was actually pretty good, all things considered. Maybe a slight underachievement, but who knows how they would have done in the ACC or NCAA tournaments. Uh, who knows how Satterfield would have done if COVID hadn't disrupted his offseason activities, all that stuff. And then from that point forward, it's just been underachieving throughout for both seasons. A couple of, of nice moments, but at the end of the day, not nearly good enough. Um, I guess the only difference is Mac at least beat UK once. I mean, we, we had, we had the, it took a 9-16 and 16 UK team for it to happen, know, but we won. The difference is Mac is also, despite regardless of everything, has always been at least entertaining on the, in the social media aspect. Yeah, he I was. Mean, he was, he was. I mean, he gave us a good wrestling promo. I mean, Satterfield, I mean, what Satterfield's given us is don't throw TP on my lawn. Yeah. L's down. Dare, how dare you? I mean, that's that's all we've gotten from Satterfield. Other than that, it's been gosh darn, our defense didn't play well, but – 
hey, we we played great defense. They just out they 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 made the plays. We didn't. I mean, I always remember the time he said stupid ass um, on camera during the UCF game. When he if he said ass this past week, I think we would have won. Start cussing more, Seth. Yeah, that's what it is. Texas adding to the fired coaches discussion. I would like Bill O'Brien. Also, do we have any information on guards for 2023? I've almost given up on Wagner. I mean, the guard thing has moved to the next class already. Yeah. Uh, what was the first part? I had something about. He wants Bill O'Brien. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, I, I guess. I don't know what I mean. <laughs> Texas, when we kicked the field goal for the lead with time on the clock, the whole stadium was defeated because every single one of us knew we were going to lose. It certainly felt that way. I also, and to be fair though, when we didn't get six against UCF last week and the score got to 20 to 14, I think myself and just about like, I know everybody texting me during the game was like 21 20. I see yeah. it coming 21 20, 21 20. And that at least did not happen. But this past oh, weekend, we, they tried. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> that, that game was, was not for lack of trying. Um, but they, they got that win. God, their receiver was only six foot. Yeah, you have a six seven guy. We just got no answer. He's six three. We we're not going to learn his name, yeah. but we're uh, we're going to let him go for a oh, why billion. Why would we yards. learn his name? We didn't even know they had him until after the game. Apparently, not us. I'm talking about the coaching staff. Texas. Why are people hating on Jeff Brom? He resurrected a bottom feeder. The dude would kill it here, and the boosters would come back in football. It's harder to win at Purdue than it is at Louisville. They play in a high school stadium for God's sakes. I am kind of surprised at the number of people, and maybe it's just because they've been annoyed by the pro Brom people so much. But it seems like there's a there's there's a faction of the fan base that is actively rooting against Purdue and Brom. I think it's it's just the contrarian of I'm I'm tired of hearing. I'm I'm just sick of people saying give us Brom, give us Brom. So I'm gonna root against him. That's what it is. But even like even if you don't think that he's the best fit as Louisville's next head football coach, like he's an alum. He clearly loves Louisville. He still cares about it. Like it kind of. I guess maybe if you were still upset about him saying no thanks in 2018, that's your mentality. But like, I, it just it kind of there's no other former Louisville player, former Louisville coach who I think very clearly wants to be Louisville's head coach someday in the future. Who the fan base would just at least part of the fan base would actively root against, even if they you know, just don't want him to be here as the head coach because they don't think he's good enough. But like he's. He's a brawn for God's sake. Like, I mean, don't don't like go off into the message boards and report this. But I mean, like, we, I know Ragone's name came up because I don't know if Ragone wants to be a college guy. I mean, I think he wants to be an NFL guy. Uh, I tell you right now, Dave Ragone wants to be Louisville's head coach. Oh, yeah. look at you going to the message board. Well, I, no, I said that like two weeks ago. I, I guess you just already forgotten. But I was like, here's a scoop. Yeah, yeah. I, I I can tell you right now, if that job came came open and Louisville came calling, Dave Ragone would take it. I mean, at this point, yeah, because Atlanta's a dumpster fire. Maybe that's part of it. I did love the fact that they were down twenty-eight to three in the in the in the game, and they made almost made a comeback. That was the story of the day yesterday. Really similar to the fact that that was the score they were down. They were up in the Super Bowl. Uh, and gave it away, and they almost made the comeback. Yeah, I mean, too, and luckily for them, Mario. Luckily for uh, whoever they were playing, I don't even remember now. Mariota sucks. So, uh, Texas, which happens first? One of our top five 2023 kids decommits, or Sack gets fired? If the recruiting class falls apart, Scott is toast. Well, yeah, I, mean, I think if. I think I think the decommitments will come after the his leaving the coach. I don't I don't want to I don't want to use the word firing because I could see him like, quote unquote resigning. Yeah, I mean it's such a different world now than it was five years ago. Let's be honest. Like these kids, if there's not nil out there, if there's not you know, this this new era of recruiting, these kids aren't coming to Louisville. Like that's we've never landed a recruiting class like this before, and I don't think it's just a coincidence that it's happening right now with all these new recruiting avenues at our disposal. 
So, in you, that's, you sound confident it has nothing to do with the coaching staff, as, as more it does the. I'm not saying nothing to do with the coaching staff. No, not it's not not five. And five two circle wasn't even around when any of these kids well, committed. Yeah, so what, you know what I'm saying. the NIL That's stuff. But like, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I, it's clearly like has something to do with NIL. The, like I don't think I'm breaking new ground. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't think that. You reinvented the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> so in a weird way, it almost makes you feel more confident about this class staying intact, even if the season continues to be just a whatever season than you would have otherwise. I mean, why would Ruben Owens in any other world, the number one running back in America who plays? in the heart of Texas, recruited by every school in Texas, why would he go to a program that for the last few years has been, what, like seven and five, four and seven, six and six, and then whatever they're going to do this year? Like, why? Like, like, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But if they are coming here in large part because of these NIL deals and they don't want them to fall apart, then maybe we have a chance of keeping it together. But it certainly feels – it feels flimsy right now. Like, I I'm worried about every aspect of this program. Not, I'm worried about recruiting. I'm worried about coaching search. I'm worried about Scott keeping his job. I'm worried about the season overall. I'm worried about everything at this point in time because I think we should be. The biggest worry I have is Satterfield coming back. That could be a concern. About the bring Brom home Twitter guy. Man, that dude's – like Eric Wood just tweets out a picture of Ross Tucker eating something and bring Brom home guys below him goes, looks delicious. Bring Brom home. He's, <laughs> the guy's persistent, man. Give he's him, that. Some I muted him a long time ago, but he is he's certainly he's, he's not letting go. He's certainly persistent. <laughs> Text says uh, the texture giving up on Wagner. Get current with the rest of us. We've moved on to almost giving up on AJ already. <laughs> yeah, that's old news. Uh, we've we've given up on the old like giving up on DJ Wagner. Now we've given up on AJ Johnson. Uh, texture says Pat Forty and Dan Wetzel have said that Arizona State should hire Dion. Apparently, everybody should hire Dion. I mean, sure. Texas, are you hearing a lot of scuttle on Petrino to Colorado? That might actually work. I, I've heard that that's out there because he's out there in that part of the, well, part of the world. Colorado is bad. Colorado's terrible. They are bad. And so bad that their AD put out a statement saying basically like, not even like a vote of confidence in his, in his head coach, but basically saying like, we know it's bad. I know it's bad. This isn't good enough. I'm not happy with it. Just please come to the games to support the players. I, I had a decent chunk of money on Minnesota. I love, I, I'm, I'm big on Minnesota this year, by the way. I think they're, they're very coming on the radar. And I like P.J. Pleck. You're rowing the boat. I really wish we could steal P.J. Pleck from Minnesota, but that's just not going to happen. But they were so they were minus 28 on Colorado. I'm like, I'm hammering it. They're going to destroy Colorado. So I watched almost that whole game. Colorado is bad. They sound like they're the worst power five like, team. There's no, like, if we played Colorado and didn't win by 21, we should fire. That coach should be fired, whether it be Satterfield or anybody else, no matter what. Like that's how bad Colorado is. Texas for some time I've gotten the vibe of a stale marriage from Statterfield and Louisville. I don't think he hates it, but I definitely feel like he doesn't like it, let alone love it. He showed his hand a bit in twenty twenty and I'm not sure that anything ever changed. It's kind of, it's always the vibe that I've kind of gotten. I mean, I don't know. You can't really just expl- just the, the teasing with South Carolina because it does have hometown ties. I mean, that's not I don't think that point blank says he doesn't like being here. I mean Certainly says that he doesn't like being here as much as he would like being at South Carolina. True, and and while I say that, I do tend to lean more towards agreeing with you that I think he does. I don't think he's enjoying being here. I mean, wasn't didn't he, didn't he wait like a year before he moved his family here? His kid, his kid finished up his senior year of high school. Is that what it was? He came here originally, and then I guess didn't like it, and went back and transferred home, and so his wife stayed with the kid in back North in Boone Carolina, to finish yeah. up their high school career. But now I don't know if you've heard of this, Trevor. He's building a house in Louisville. Wow. We've been building the house for like a year and a half. He's committed. House is going up. Uh, Texas says Wagner's not coming. Thank you for that. 
I mean, I'm still holding out hope, right? I'm not. I don't know how many times you have to. You let go completely? Yeah. Well, then I'll be a. I mean, not completely. Like, no, I don't get out. You're, you're, you're not. It's like 95% he's going to get taken. Nope, I'm, I'm still hanging on to hope. I mean, that 5% is my hope. Texas Brom definitely wouldn't treat us like a stepping stone job. No, he wouldn't, but. No. There's a set of field. I think he's about the only coach in America that wouldn't, though. Yeah, you're probably I don't right. I think we're going with even if we're going to, and I think if we're going to came here and was offered something at NFL level, I think he would leave us for it. Texas Satterfield and Malik has just been a bad duo. Malik does not execute plays when it matters. He really hasn't his entire time with Satterfield. It's been a theme of the day. Uh, Texas, the difference is Sat seems like a genuinely nice guy. Mac was just an a hole. Yeah, Cracktor was supposed to be a nice guy too. Texas, I'm more intrigued by Ragone now, as apparently he is off the Sean McVay tree. Or he is of the Sean McVay tree. I was like, yeah, I mean, technically. Who is? Ragone. He didn't work for Sean McVay. I mean, oh, no, he did. He was, because right. they, they were in Washington together. Yep. Yeah. He, yeah but Ragone, I don't know if that counts. Ragone was the quality control guy at that. You know what quality control means in the NFL? That means the, that's the guy who goes and picks up the laundry. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm not trying to be mean, but that's like, that is the, that's what you do when you're quality control. You're the guy who goes and gets laundry and food, picks up coffee for everybody. Because you only do it for one year, and if you move up from that, then you get extra responsibility. Texas, the music is making me laugh today at least. I'm not sure that was the intention, but it's working. Laugh or cry seem to be our only options for the season so far. Oh, it's absolutely the intention of the music. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's a – It's targeted. And every week has been so weird, I think, because I think what, after the Syracuse game, I think it was all fire music. And then what, what did I do last week? I think I tried to do something optimistic as we won. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. I don't even remember what it is now. And then now this week is just like – It's a different lifetime ago. Inside. Different lifetime ago. I've seen it. I've been there, done there. Texas, at least Scoots is making more reasonable bets this year than last. Who would ever bet their life on IU basketball season? He did. He did. <laughs> and he be- and they made the first four. He's alive because they made the first four. Yes. Texas, tell Trevor that the Lions ran the Philly special earlier that season, not the Bears. I can't, I get. I have been pointed out, and someone tweeted at me. At the the Lions won you guys the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Okay, I knew I knew it was an NFC North team. I knew I had the last se- last game of the season right. I just screwed up the team. Sorry, I thought it was Chicago, not Detroit. My bad. Texas, I'm surprised that Scooter Dingus didn't pull a Kramer with a bet about building levels in the apartment. <laughs> well, the bet's off. Bates is not going to play. <laughs> That's the bet. What was Kramer's excuse? I decided not to do it. Terry's like, no. Well, I decided not to do it. <laughs> That's not the point. <laughs> I just decided not to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that episode. It's a good one. Texas has the window to being in Brom closed. His record at Purdue will be a will turn be a turnoff for a lot of people, but I think there's a reasonable argument he'd have more success in the ACC versus the Big Ten. It's, it's only a turnoff to people who are already turned off to begin. People with. want there are people out there who want to be turned off from Jeff Brom. Yeah, like like somebody like, Dugan asked me over the weekend. He's like, do you think because of the way he lost Syracuse? That deferred people. I was like, the only people that are using that game as a why we shouldn't get Brom were already against Brom to begin with. I mean, it's not. It's not nothing. I don't think it though. changed anyone's mind. I think it. I mean, I think it changed a few people's minds. I, I do. Like the the way that we're like we're complaining about being undisciplined and not getting making the plays when you need to make them. Like Purdue. Yeah, I thought it was a yeah, bad call, but yeah. they also were totally undisciplined down the stretch and didn't make a play when they had to make a play. I mean, I don't know. I can't. I can't. It's hard to blame someone for discipline when they didn't actually commit a foul, and they were, but they were blamed for. Yeah, it. Yeah, but then the dude goes nuts, and they get two unsportsmanlike penalties. They also got two unsportsmanlike penalties after they scored a touchdown to go ahead, which gave Syracuse great field that position. That was a weird one too, though. I don't even know about that. That that that, that one after they scored a touchdown, I thought was a little uncalled for. But I would love for you to defend Scott Satterfield the way that you're defending Jeff Brown. 
I mean, you be more successful. Well, I mean, I have. The numbers are kind of the have same. I not, where, where, this time last year, was I not be more defensive of both him and Brian Brown to a degree? I don't think you. Like, were... I was. I was even giving Brian Brown opportunity after opportunity. I was like, look, here's the line going to that BC game. Here it is. I want to. I want to keep you liking you. I'm. I'm giving you well, a no, shot. You, the I'm line was. The line was. He gets fired if he doesn't hit the line. It wasn't. It wasn't to keep liking you. He you should have been fired. <laughs> Damn it, don't get me all mad. <laughs> oh, uh, You should have been fired. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't think many people are. Uh, we have to go to break. When we come back, we'll try to get to as many of these texts as we can, uh, and we'll get let Trevor pick a we'll – let you give like a small little rant about your Eagles tonight and see what you think about tonight's big game on Monday Night Football against the Vikings. We'll do that. We'll wrap the show. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. It continues next here on 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. More tears. Uh, here's hoping. If there are tears this week, I don't think there would be tears this weekend. Louisville's a 13 point favorite over South Florida. If they were to lose that game, I don't think it's any tears. I think it would just be like just straight anger. It, it wouldn't even be any anger. It'd be just resignation. People would just be done. Apathy would fully set in, and it would just be playing the games out for the sake of playing the games out. Oh, God. I don't want another 2018, man. And this sucks. Like, this is. This is what you wanted to avoid going into this game. You wanted to have some enthusiasm going into the, sec- the, the I guess the second quarter of the season, if you want to look at it that way. And we aren't really there. And this this week, like today's been an easy radio show because it's reacting to Friday night's game and people are pissed and people want to talk about the future. The rest of this week is going to get a little tough because there is not going to be much excitement for Saturday's game against South Florida. There's not. You know, the one perk about the 18th season was I made a lot of money betting against us every week. Because no one had... Everyone's thrilled for you, Trev. I feel like it took Vegas like three or four weeks to realize that we'd given up and that was something we already knew here locally. And like they were like, oh, there's no way Louisville can give, we can not cover a 30-point spread. Oh, really? Speaking of, were you surprised at that number? 13 points? I mean, this is a South Florida team that was... They were 28-point underdogs against Florida last weekend. They lost by three. They could have easily won that game. They beat Howard by 22 in, in week two. They got blown out by a nationally ranked BYU team. I think the final was... 50 to 21 in week one. I was expecting it to be, honestly, a little bit smaller. 13 points seems like a lot based on what we've seen, but I'll say what I said this time last week, too. I've got no idea what the hell to expect from this team. They could win by 40, they could lose by seven. Nothing would shock me. Um, but 13 to me seemed like a large number for this team to cover against anybody it's way too right many now. Points. I feel like this, our, our line is being done by Vince because he's still the only one that believes in, in Scott. I'm taking South Florida plus 13 in this game. You hate Vince. I mean, well, I mean, 
a few more weeks of Satterfield, you'll re- you'll see more why. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton text line. Um, again, we, we're we not going to be able to get to everybody's text today. There's been a ton all day long, but we'll try to get to as many as we can here before we wrap up the show. Uh, Texture says, Kelsey, Kelsey – is uh, I've never, I've never, I've, I think this may be the first on the text line anybody's just referred to you as your last name. It's weird because you TK or Trevor. Because when, and when I go, like, and every time I place an order somewhere and they always ask me the name on the order, I always say my last name only. Yeah, same. I mean, I, yeah, because Mike, there's like 50 mics picking up food. And I guess there's more because I think I t- told you one time I did it. I did, I did, and then I pulled up to like to the drop. I think it was a Chick fil A, and then the guy was like. Looking around because he's so shy. He's like to see a girl. Yeah. Because it's Kelsey. And he's like, Kelsey? And I'm like, that's me. He's like, looking at me so curiously. I mean, I have to do that a lot of times. Like when Mary will order stuff and I've got to go pick it up. I'm like, order for Mary? I'm like, <laughs> it's like nobody in the car with me either. I'm like, yeah. Every time I do Kroger click list, I'm like, it's Mary Rutherford. They're like, okay, thank you. Uh, Kelsey is crapping on everything but Brahms. So please be specific and elaborate why, as Bill Parcells once said, his record is not what it says Brahm is. What do you want me to convince you why Brom is a, a better coach? You want to, you want you to convince him why Brom is better than his record says he is. I can't say. I guess I don't know if I can give you exact reasons why he's better. Well, I mean, I can just show you by comparison he's better than Satterfield. I mean, there's no way we can be this bad again, right? I mean, there's no. I mean, Brom has not been this mediocre at Purdue as Satterfield's been at Louisville. Yeah, it's pretty. It's about the same. Besides last year, I mean, what 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 eight and four last year? It's more than. <laughs> I mean, he also took over a program that was probably had less talent than we didn't Satterfield did. There's the answer. I know you can argue, and you can say, well, you both had two wins, but that global team in 18, I mean, if Petrino doesn't give up, that team's probably winning eight games on its own. Mm, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they only won eight the year before with Lamar Jackson and Jair Alexander. True. Terry says you might as well call Justin, uh, this is it, KRC text, the dog walker after how many times the leash gets pulled and he walks back on his takes. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Can we give that take of the day to it? I mean, you can you can apologize and admit you're wrong on a take. I have no problem with that. Yeah, same. Can we give text of the day, though, to a KRC texter? <laughs> I'm just joking. At least Scoot's alone. He just lost 500 bucks today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he lost it weeks ago, but he was guaranteed a loss today. Terry says that game just changed my mind. Give me Lance Leopold. There's this, TK is starting to sound like the KP or bust guys for Braum. Um, but I wasn't pro. I wasn't as big on KP. I know, but he's saying you are, you're starting to sound like those people, but just for Jeff Braum. I mean, I prefer, Are you Braum or bust? Or, no, no, no. You would I, consider no. other candidates. I would more welcome. Um, yeah. I mean, Braum's just the one that I, I just would like to see it. I'd give it a shot. Like, if you mention other names, like you said Tom Herman's, I mean, I, okay. I mean... I don't. I'm not. The Bill O'Brien doesn't. You know, make me go from six to midnight. But I mean, it's it's a name. I mean, give me other names. The problem is, I just don't know. A. I don't even think we'd get a Bill O'Brien. And B. I mean, where where would we go? I mean, if if not Brom, well, we're looking at. I mean, because Brom doesn't have global ties, we're not taking him from Purdue anyway. Right, which I think is what a lot of people are going to say. I mean, as I said, I love PJ Fleck at Minnesota, but we're not. We're gonna not getting s- him. No, we're not. He's going. If he leaves Minnesota, it's for something above Minnesota. We're at best at, at the same level. And probably not even that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, if there's another name out there and someone wants to throw it at me and I'll look it up, I'm not saying I would dismiss it. I just, I want something different. I want new. The route, I mean, the top coordinator route has treated us well over the years. Can you, can you talk for like two minutes while I go grab my food up? Yeah, quick? you're good. Right, I, I wouldn't I, hate I, going I, that I, route again. Uh, I feel like 
I mean, Satterfield was a proven head coach at a smaller level. Steve Cragthorpe was a proven head coach at a smaller level. Now, John L. Smith was kind of a proven head coach at a smaller level as well. But Bobby Petrino was a top coordinator. Charlie Strong was a top coordinator. If we're talking about the recent history of Louisville football, those two hires certainly worked out much, much better than at least Scott Satterfield has so far, and certainly better than Steve Cragthorpe did back in the day. But we've got time. I hope that this doesn't wind up being a season-long discussion. I fear that it will be, but we will, uh, I'm sure, debate the pros and the cons of every potential candidate under the the sun because we've been doing that for, it feels like a long time here. Texas says, uh, we don't need Brom. We already have a coach who can lose to Syracuse. It was closer, at least. I, I, love, like, I love the back and forth. People are like, well, they both lost. Well, it was closer. It feels a lot like the, the back and forth we were getting during the, the basketball coaching search. Texas says, so Satterfield is like, I love you, I'm just not in love with you. Is that what the texture was saying? More or less. I think it's <laughs> Satterfield saying I love you, but I it's L-U-V. I L-U-V you. I'm not spelling out the L-O-V-E. That's a millennial text joke right there. Texas, sorry for the change of subject, but what is the deal with the woman trespassing on Calipari's home? I saw the story. I've got no idea what it was. But I think it was for something that wasn't involving Calipari, if I'm wrong, if, if I'm right. I saw the story. I couldn't tell you what was going on. What was the story, Trami? There was a woman who was trespassing at John Calipari's home. But I've not seen that. I think she was there for, like, some other reason. Like, it wasn't, like, they didn't find any reason to believe that she was, like, doing anything specific, targeted at Cal. Like, it wasn't because they knew, she knew it was his house or whatever. I think she was just breaking into houses and trying to steal credit cards. Cal's uh, house probably is enticing to someone like that. I would assume so. Texas says, Trevor, by the way, just described an equipment manager when he's talking about Dave Ragone, which is what I was in college. Quality control is much more important than Trevor is giving it credit for. Okay, sure. <laughs> Look, the guy, says, <laughs> the guy says he was on a staff, and you're like, okay. I'm just saying, it's just part of the staff, but it's just like that's the, that's the foot-in-the-door grunt work you're going to get for being a, like a wet-behind-the-ears guy on the staff. I mean, that's just it's what it is. And he says you're wrong. Well, prove it. He just said he was on the staff. <laughs> He's mad because you made him. He didn't get his coffee. Texas says, "Mike, are you ready to talk hurt yet? Bring the pain." I mean, I'll talk Clint hurt. I don't think he's leaving for this job. I, I know. As I was walking away to grab my food real quick, which by the way, props to them for remembering the drinks. Uh, props. Yeah, because it's 50, 50 odds when you when you order drinks from DoorDash. Like I've given up even being mad about it when they did a great dasher. We got a good dash right here. Um, not to go too far back, but you mentioned I heard you just talking about coaches at lower levels. If you, it isn't Brom, and that's exactly what I, I, I'm gonna. I'm going to have optimism, whoever we go get. I had optimism for Satterfield to a degree. Sure, we all did. We, I mean, you, yeah, go, you have to I mean, go into these things with open obviously eyes. Obviously, I wanted Braun more, but I was like, listen, I mean, this guy's done this at all, App State. I mean, we had every reason to be optimistic. And whoever, whomever they do bring in, whether it be Braun or not, I'm probably going to hopefully be optimistic. I'm not guaranteeing that, but I think there's a good chance of it. I mean, let's be, like, let's be real. When Petrino was hired, when Charlie Strong was hired, when basically, whenever Petrino you make one a, or Petrino two, <clears throat> Petrino one. Okay, because two, I wasn't as thrilled about. Well, it. I'm just saying, like the fan base, you research these guys once the job becomes available and you start looking at potential candidates. Most Louisville football fans don't exactly know the ins and the outs of like the best coordinator at Michigan State or something like that. Like, no. we, like we didn't know a whole lot about Charlie Strong until it became clear that he was going to be a guy who was considered for the job. Right. We didn't know a whole lot about Bobby Petrino until it became clear that he was a guy who was going to be considered for the job. I am fine if we wind up hiring a guy who right now in this moment on September 19th, I don't know a whole lot about. 
I mean, I may know the name, but yeah. I don't exactly. Like I, I, I don't know what style he runs or like what he's done no, well, what his, no, no. his full history is. Like Most of the time, that's the case. And it's not the same with basketball because I think, one, we're hiring from a different pool of candidates in basketball. Much different. And I think it's easier to keep track of who is where because there, there are fewer coaches. I mean, you know, every college football big-time coach has held like 17 different jobs in 20 years. Like that's how you work your way up. It's just a, it's a different beast. But like we, the, the guy, what I'm trying to say is the guy who might wind up being Louisville's next head coach if, in fact, we do end up getting a, a new co- a coach might be somebody we've never even really heard of at this point in time <laughs> who we're going to have to get. And that may not be a bad thing. Like we can talk ourselves into anybody, and you should. You, we should give the benefit of the doubt to whoever uh, Josh Hurd would bring in if – he winds up having to bring somebody else in. I mean, even if we didn't have the if we, internet or not, who, who knew who John L. Smith was when we hired him out of Idaho? Same, yeah. Same and, and it's, it's, I love it because they were talking to him before the Florida State game. Jody was on the pre, pregame. You know, not the pre-pregame, but the pregame. And he was talking about, you know, when he got to offer the job, he was, you know, he had a he – had, his family didn't know where Louisville was. They were like, yeah. you know, where it's a derby place. And they had no – I don't no, don't take that as an insult. I don't blame them. I mean – He spent his whole life on the West Coast. Living in Idaho, yeah. yeah. He spent his whole life on the West Coast. So, I mean – but John, I was like, like if somebody, I like, I like the kid at Texas Tech, the offensive coordinator who was recently take offensive coordinator at Pittsburgh, uh, Western Kentucky before this year, Zach Kitley. I mean, I know who he is, but I mean, I, I would, I would be no problem with that hire. But I, I'm probably one of like five people in the city who knows who right. he is. Texas, I've got three things. If we can just cut down on the turnovers and penalties, we can win quite a few this year still because the ACC is so down. Right. Two, did anyone else see number twenty-seven Duncan not contain the corner? He also missed the tackle late when they were first and 20 and ran for 25. Kendrick Duncan did not have a good game. No way around it. Uh, three, I'm going to the Bats game tonight. Where will Trevor be? Uh, Trevor will be right here in the studios controlling the game. Right here. So I, I don't. they don't actually send me out in public. They just let me help me get on the air. He'll be throwing out the first pitch. Make will, sure you don't I'll, miss it. I will be betting on the game, though, and I'll be taking the Bats. Taking the Bats tonight. Why? Just because? Just because. <laughs> I mean, the last two games I went for, I went against the bat, I went for the bats and won, went against the bats and lost. So this time I'm going to go for the bats. There you go. Yeah. Texas. Now I'm embarrassed about making my point about Satterfield begging for his job. I thought it hurt somewhere else. Again, no. Trevor should probably be a cult leader. He'd have at least one follower. There you go. There's evidence to you being a a, a good cult leader. No, I, there was that. I I exaggerated when I said it, but there were reports of him like. I think I don't know if the word pleading was used, but I mean it was. I know it was a lengthy discussion. Yeah, there is were, the way there that were Vince words, there were words it. used that you could you could describe as possible begging in his interview in his in his meeting with Vince before Vince left, and I've just kind of taken that as he begged for his job. What what I was told happened in the meeting is like Vince asked him to kind of bring in a plan for the future for Louisville football. He laid out a plan how he feels like this is going to go. He needed to be convinced to be able to keep it right. Like he was he, again like Centerfield wanted to keep his job because. Where else is he going to go? He wasn't. He's got yeah. nowhere else to go. I think begging is probably a little bit extreme. Yeah, you weren't there. It wasn't like. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> I'll do anything. I mean, he was. I'm not worthy. <laughs> Tell me where you are. Uh, no, that like none of that happened. Um, man, we're up against the end of the show here. I, I, I'm so sorry to, to everybody who's text we didn't get to. It's loaded show. Hey, I, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you. Uh, that's the reason why we had to go. We weren't doing a short show today. That's what I said. I was like, we got, we got to go to six. We can't yeah. do it. We're going to have to go to the OG. Um, well, you, uh, it's more, this is more, this This is you putting up the effort. Me, I'm here regardless. Yeah, you were like, if we take off at four, I'm good with it. I'm like, we got to go to six today. This is this is you. So, so people appreciate Mike because this, this is what he's, this is what he does for you. He could have easily just like, he could have easily done a Malik and just thrown it away and, you know. Give 
give the people what it. they want. He, he shows up in the clutch. And he brings it. He knows what they want. Texas, they said he made. They said that he cried. He made his case, and he was teary. He was crying. <laughs> I haven't heard reports of tears. Maybe some people did say that. Maybe it did happen. I have not heard that. All right, was, he, was there no more tears? <laughs> no more tears. We're up against the end of the show. Trevor, you've got Eagles. Your Eagles tonight taking on uh, the Vikings. Give us a quick little preview. What are you looking for? What's your confidence level tonight that, that your boys are going to get to 2-0? Uh, I'm confident in that um, it's blind confidence. I think Minnesota wins tonight, actually. I'm not feeling good. Minnesota looked really good on uh, last week against Green Bay. That defensive line is – I mean, our offensive line is healthy, which is thankful for right now. But it's going to be tough. They're going to get pressure. Eagles have to not turn the ball over and have to find a way to get a big play down the field and, and open up that, that Vikings defense and allow us to get our running game going. We fall behind and we can't run the ball. We're we're screwed. All right, so make a prediction. What's your final score? Who do you uh, like? I'm Who are you going, taking? I'm going Vikings to win, uh, 34-28. I'm more confident. See, I love. I've got you. I've got you on one hand, and then I've got my podcast host Danny. He's like a gigantic Vikes fan. Well, he's and, got a reason excited because our secondary is not very great either. Well, last night I'm texting with him, and he kind of has the same thing going on with you. He's like, the Vikes lose this game 2,000 times out of 2,000. This is the game that we always lose. He's like, it will take them winning for me to like fully buy into this team and get excited about this season. So he thinks they're going to lose. Well, you think the Eagles are going to lose. You both are pessimistic about your team in these big spots. Uh, I'm going with the Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to win nice. tonight. I'm more confident about the Eagles than, than you are. Four-way tie in the NFC North. That, Lions tied Andy, for first. Me better. <laughs> That's we're now best friends. Uh, you've been knocked down the totem pole. Get out! He's my best friend now. He's done. Uh, we're, re- we're redoing the wedding, so Trevor can be in your spot. Um, <laughs> Photoshop my picture in there. <laughs> the game I was gonna say the game before, but they actually, they'll be going on at the same time. But the game that starts first on ESPN is Titans Bills. Real quick, who you got there? Uh, Bills. Bills big. Bills are Bills are Bills are just good. I wasn't buying into it, then I watched the first game. I'm like, okay, yeah. Oh, Bills are good. They're very Bills good. Are, Bills are real good. Uh, the one thing I was, oh man, I was going to say something. Oh, great stat about Kirk Cousins, though. I don't know if you saw this on the ticker because I saw it all the time last night. Two and nine in Monday Night Football games. I knew for a while there he'd been like, uh, uh, I feel like he was like 0 for 8 minimum, in primetime games or something. 10 starts, he's the worst record of all any quarterback in the NFL. Eagles getting it done tonight. Jalen Hurts leading me to fantasy glory. I'm just saying, he's won two, which means there could be three. It's the Brom Satterfield <laughs> argument all over again. All right, uh, that's all from us today. We're back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Normal time, normal station. Keep it locked right here, though. Bats baseball on the way next. Everybody have a fantastic Monday night. We'll see you guys tomorrow at 3.